What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. We have a big show lined up for you today. It is a show in our Thanksgiving weekend, our week coming up this week. It also is a little bit of a somber show because we are mourning the death of Stan Lee, who passed away earlier this week, recording this on a Sunday night. You passed away uh, earlier in the week. Uh, was it Monday, I believe? Monday, Monday, I think, was when we found out because I was playing Spider-Man, so I was off, so I know it was Monday, which is ironic that I was playing Spider-Man PS4 at the time when he... Uh, he passed away. He passed away at ninety-five. Of course, Stan Lee, the creator of Marvel Comics, the creator for, of many of the characters that we've now seen to know and love, the characters we talk about on a uh, week-to-week basis. So that was a um, a big loss for us in the comic book uh, community. We'll talk about the life of Stan Lee and some of the uh, ways that he's been um, honored this week, and some of the the ridiculous nonsense we've heard people in terms of trying to uh, limit his, I guess, impact on society this week. So. Talk about Stanley. We'll also talk about a lot of the the big stuff that happened this week in regards to news surrounding uh, Agents of Shield, which we now know will not only be back next year for season six, which we know will be an abbreviated one. Season seven already renewed, which is seems almost like unprecedented. I don't know if I've ever seen a show not actually air its season yet. We're months away from that even happening, and it show up and they already renew it for the following year. Never seen that before, but that is happening. So. We're excited to talk about that. We'll talk about The Eternal. That's a movie we haven't talked about in a while, but we got some details from the hashtag show about who we may be seeing in that film. We got some updates on The Flash from Ezra Miller and some updates on who may be leading Guardians of the Galaxy. And, of course, at the end of the show, we'll have our recaps. That include this week um, the last few episodes of Titans, Supergirl, and The Gifted. So it should be a good show. Joining us are my co-hosts, as always, starting with Shamari Stewart. Shamari, as I said, Stan Lee uh, on the on the hearts and minds of many of, of us in this community. Um, I'm going to give you a question. I, I'm a little on the spot, but uh, but if you, what would you say was your favorite Stan Lee um, cameo that you've seen in a movie, if you could think of one? Boy, my favorite Stan Lee cameo. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, one... Oh boy, yeah, you really put me on. But he has done so many. I know. <laughs> you know, it's like some you don't even think about. Um, well, I'm I'm gonna see. I can't even say that because it's a spoiler. I can't say that. What's a spoiler? I I can't say it because it's a spoiler. What is he? I don't even know what you're talking about. But no, nah, I'm not even gonna bring it up. I'm not even gonna bring it. Up. Oh, you want I, me to bring it up? Oh, I know what you're talking. Yeah, well, you know I, what I don't know. Yeah, I don't you know, know what it. you're talking about, but I think I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. you probably know what I'm talking about. But I can't if, say if it, it's, it's a spoiler. Is it? Is a spoiler, right? Concept is a spoiler. I mean, I I could just say it, but I don't think I should. I don't think you should spoil anything. It's not I'm something not, that I've I'm seen, not. right? No, you. Oh, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. You know too. what I'm talking? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But I can't say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't say that. I can't say that again. No. Yeah, I can't say that. But so I won't bring that up. Um. If if you. I feel like some people may be able to glean what we're referring to. Oh, yeah. You know, all three of us are now in agreement what he's talking about. Yeah, we'll talk about that. He cannot talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, I can't talk about that. We'll talk about that later. Right now, we can talk about that at a later date. But, um, uh, let's see. One of the first, uh, this is hard because he's, you know, because he's been in, um, 
he's been in so many things. I can just think yeah. of some of the ones that come to mind. Yeah. There was the one where he was in Ragnarok, and he was that guy doing the haircut. <laughs> that was, was like a just one. a little off the top or whatever he said or something like that. Yeah. Um, that was I thought that was really fun. And there's the one where he was uh, the, the Guardians were were just really fun in general. There was the one where he was um, with the uh, the Watchers, I think, right? Yeah. yeah that's another. That was a really yeah, good one. Yeah, that's one, that was really good. Um, but yeah, those are just a couple a couple of uh, the ones that stuck out to me. What about you, Kendall? Any 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 Stanley cameos that that stick out particularly to you that you uh that you enjoy? Uh, all time great Stan Lee cameos. Uh, one of the first ones that comes to mind is the uh the Civil War Tony Stank. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a legendary one. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of the, I feel like a lot of the original ones were also really good. We just haven't seen them in so long from like the original Spider-Man and X-Men movies. Yeah. Um, and the Fantastic Four movies, but, um, it's been, it's been a long time. Uh, obviously his involvement has been less and less in some, in some of these cameos the last couple of years. Uh. But I think the ones definitely in that mid two thousands to uh, early twenty tens were like those were the prime Stanley Marvel cameos. I would say. Yeah, I think for me, it's tough. I I I think I think the Deadpool one, I think kind of sticks out to me because like all these superhero movies have been so. Um, like, you know, like, they're kind of, like, safe in that they're not, like, very provocative. So to see, like, Stan Lee, like, at, like, a strip club and being, like, the MC or a DJ was, uh, was good. I, I also liked your pick with the, uh, with the, the, the haircut and Ragnarok. I like the, I kind of like the one where it's, like, really goofy. Like, like, the Watcher one was really good, but that's almost, like, way over the top. It's like, wait, he's, he's with the Watchers? Like, what? Yeah, that was, like, an Easter egg to it. Yeah. Insane. But, like, the other ones where, like, he's, like... Like, the, the story is, like, kind of insane. So, you're like, how could he be in this story? And yet, he finds himself still in the story. Somehow, those are, are tend to be the ones that um, that, that I like the most. But, uh, obviously, we're all uh, Miss Stan Lee, of course. Like you were saying, we're top of the show. He, he passed away this week at the age of 95. And, like I said, Stan Lee, what, what, I, what I appreciate about Stan Lee, and I know um, there are the people who have talked about, well, um his relationship with some of the people that helped build Marvel and kind of how he stiffed some of them in some ways doesn't necessarily reflect positively on him. And that's not incorrect. And I don't necessarily feel like it's wrong for people to bring up that stuff when we talk about Stanley. But I do, when someone passes, of course, want to talk about the impact he's had. And I think what I appreciate about Stanley so much is how he, he, he created his artwork at a time where it was arguably one of the more like influential, important times in American history. Talking about the civil rights movement, a lot of revolutions were happening around that time: civil rights, women's rights, uh, uh, voting rights, war, Vietnam War. Like a lot of that, a lot of those um, very controversial, very impactful events that ended up shaping really where we are today. It all 
encapsulated in it was all encapsulated into Stanley's work. And I think that's what I think I take from Stanley. I appreciate so much is that he was able to take a lot of those themes and infuse them in his stories, which is why I've always tended to, um, why a lot of people have always tended to lean towards Marvel for more realism. I have tended to lean towards Mar- Marvel for stories to be more realistic because you felt like his characters, while you do have the Hulk who's, you know, big green and can lift, you know, attract the trailer, and you have Thor who's a Norse god, of course, but like when you have these some of these characters that, that are, are kind of more based in reality, you know, Tony Stark and some of the issues he deals with, you know, Spider-Man kind of being your everyman uh, in Queens and some of the issues he deals with, and how he kind of how he kind of uh, brought the Fantastic Four, must be not the Fantastic Four, uh, the event, the X Men, and and kind of created that uh, that mirror of uh, the issues that blacks were having in America with racism and inequality, and using that to tell the story of those plights. I think that that's something that's very important. So when we talk about the importance of Stan Lee, I think that. The minds that ended up being shaped to uh, to lead a lot of these revolutions moving forward, they were shaped also through reading Stanley's comics and reading his characters and the world that he created. So we can go on like the impact just from just a money making standpoint. I mean, it's you know he's someone who you know if he if Marvel Comics didn't go through the bankruptcy and some of the financial problems they had. He wouldn't have sold off all of those properties. He, this is someone who is a millionaire who could have been a billionaire with the, now the what we now see are the franchises that were created with Marvel Studios. So I mean, this this is I mean, Stan Lee is is the guy when it comes to comic books and and this stuff. I mean, there, there is there is no bigger figure we've lost. Nah, you know, there's 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 no one there ever. There won't be anyone who's as big as Stan Lee. So. It's definitely a sad day for us. Anyone else want to uh, chime in on on uh, the impact of Stanley? Well, I mean, I think his his impact is enormous, just in. Um, I mean, I think just in the. Uh, I, I I really think in, in really any kind of creative medium, mm-hmm. you know, I think Stanley is kind of like, he's definitely an iconic figure. He was while he was living, and he will be, you know, until the end of time. Yeah. You know, I mean, his, uh, the characters he was able to create and, and what they represented to so many people. Um, I mean, it really is something to, uh, it really is something to marvel at. And a lot of these stories that, that <laughs> no we, pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. Um, and a lot of these stories that we, you know, see now and that were, that we're so excited about are things that were created by Stan Lee, mm-hmm. you know, and that were started, you know, based off of his, his ideas. So, I mean, I really, I really do, um, uh, you know, I really think that it is, uh, you know, I, I think it's telling how, how so many people are affected by this. Yeah. And how so many people, you know, even people that aren't like huge into comic books like we are, you know, just people that are just saddened, completely just saddened by his loss. Because, I mean, because you know? for a lot of these, for a lot, for most, for the majority of people, I mean, these are joyous yeah, heroes, joyous stories. I mean, they're, you know, like, it, what the characters he's created are, are characters that have been 
all positive. You yeah, know, right? designed to have a bring positive happiness, influence. bring you know excitement, you know, bring drama, bring thrills, bring heroism. Like it's hard to to be against that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Though unfortunately, we've had people try to do that over the last few days to some people who have uh, spoken ill of him. But before we get to that, Kendall, do you want to say anything on Stan? No, yeah, I mean, uh, he's a uh, he's a figure that, um, you know, growing up, I was him younger than you guys, but he uh, has always been a a major figure in in our society. You know, Stan Lee. I mean, I remember growing up watching Stan Lee Superhumans, and like, mm-hmm. you know, just knew him as the guy that created Marvel. You know, the guy that created Spider Man, the Hulk, and. Uh, you know, you kind of really grew up at, at, with him being the guy that created the idea of the concept of superheroes. You know, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but he's certainly the guy that took it to the next level, um, that made it uh, mainstream. Um, and these stories now, the story that he's that he made, uh, the story that he's made, the stories uh, and the characters that he's made, uh, they're now. Uh, transitioning themselves into movies, into television, into animation, mm-hmm. into video games, into all different forms of media, uh, Broadway, you know, yeah, you know, theater. It's all these different uh, avenues of art, uh, all these different avenues of entertainment um, are now all being. Uh, his properties are all being touched in those different regions. Uh, and that's not something that you could say, oh, this is just a comic book. Or he's just a guy that created a comic book. When, I mean, in 2000, in like, you look at, let's say, like, Watchmen, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, Watchmen, very, very good book. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have the mass appeal of a Marvel comic. That Watchmen is a traditional comic. I mean, he's got a movie which is very popular. Um, mm-hmm. Was able to uh, was able to cross over with DC, um, but for the most part, is very self-contained. Right. But what Stanley was able to create with Marvel has again has a mass appeal that way far-reaching uh, beyond just the comic book industry. And I mean, we're doing a show. He's affected us obviously greatly. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're doing a show based off, you know, 75% based off of his creation. Um, so, obviously, this is a uh, a sad situation. Um, you know, we were watching The Gifted this week, and, you know, you see at the end when they give they, they have the tribute to Stan Lee, it's kind of tough. But, uh, it, it, I mean, even seeing that kind of, like, reminds you, like, oh, yeah, I forgot, like, The Gifted... We have the gifted because of Stanley. Mm-hmm. You know, he's X Men. Yeah, exactly. You know, you wouldn't really think because it's a TV show. You know, it's not in the MCU. And like a lot of the characters, like you know, they they are in character he directly created. Yeah, exactly. You know, he was ahead of Marvel by the time right. some of these characters were introduced, yeah. but not. You know, he he created Cyclops. You know, Beast and the original five or six X Men. Right, 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 We're seeing you no know, Polaris and this Cuckoos, but those. Characters that who were created by others who worked for Stanley, or at that right. point maybe he stepped away, but they were influenced by 
the work that he inspired, that he created. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's just it's crazy and it's 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 sad that when you think of also Steve Ditko dying this year as well, and you like like you know two icons in this in this industry again, Spider Man, X Men, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Fantastic Four, Daredevil, Doctor Strange, Ant Man. I mean that's a big. That's a, that. I mean, those are all movie franchises I just named pretty much, except for Daredevil. Um, Daredevil was a failed movie, but all the other ones, Fantastic Four, I guess, were also failed movies. But all the other ones are, are, are currently existing, thriving. Billion-dollar industry. Yes. I mean, it, individually. That's, I mean, that that's that's an incredible mark uh, and an incredible legacy to leave leave behind. Um, like I said, unfortunately, we have had those who have, who have decided to, you know, try to limit his uh his his impact we had you know wfan host mike francesa uh claim he did not know who stan lee was and then when he, he was told who stan lee was he said who cares um because he didn't read comic books then you know there was gotten that was a little more humorous because we you know francesa has now become infamous for these like viral moments where he doesn't know something or he is very he dismissive yeah. or he's very mean like that's kind of just been his thing so that was kind of par for the course for him unfortunately but then we also got bill maher you can maybe make the case that his blog post this week was also par for the course for him he's another one who's kind of become not become he's always been a very kind of surly angry at the world kind of dude and he kind of also uh went after people uh you know mourning the death of stanley basically saying that it was really all pointless in that uh that he wasn't against comics but that you know uh he he grew up at a time where comics were for kids and when you grew up uh you moved on to big boy uh books without the pictures but then 20 years or so ago something happened adults decided they didn't want to have to to give up the kid stuff and so they pretended comic books were actually sophisticated literature um and then he went on to say stuff like you know only in the country that elects donald trump president that uh, we could be, we could think that comic books are important. So I mean, he was really going in in a way that was just, I mean, completely idiotic, to say the least. And it wouldn't be the first time Bill Maher has been idiotic with uh, some of his statements. And like, I don't really want to spend too much time on him because I think he did this on purpose to just get people to talk about him. But I do kind of want to speak about what I feel like because we get this a lot now, where we're getting like we had was it Clint Eastwood talking crazy about superhero movies we've had yeah, uh yeah i mean it seems like every other month we have someone talking crazy about superheroes or superhero movies and then me having to come on there and flame them on this show and i think it's it comes from there's something wrong i feel like with our society when people can't allow people to like enjoy what they enjoy and there is it's become being the contrarian has become lucrative for a lot of people and I think that those people then get followers and then a lot of people want to be like them. So someone like Bill Maher, who has spent his entire life being the contrarian, being the troll, uh, this was the perfect take for him to get clicks, to get likes, to get, not likes, but get people to, to, to p- pick up his name, learn who he is if people don't know who Bill Maher is. And that's something that's starting to become worrisome to me is that these guys are feeling threatened by the fact that they're no longer as powerful or as maybe as important, culturally important as maybe they once were. So when they see a, someone from a Marvel comic book or someone from a DC comic book 
surpass them. I think that's a lot of this stuff. I think comes from fear of knowing that their time is kind of ending in terms of cultural relevance. And I think the more I kind of trying to dissect why people keep going after superhero movies and superhero comics, I think a lot of it has to do with um, feeling like outsiders. And it's kind of ironic, guys, because to me, I feel like as a superhero fan, as a superhero uh, comic book reader, we felt like the outsiders for up until maybe 10 years ago, you know, like liking this stuff and knowing this stuff. You were like a nerd. You were like an outsider. In fact, like what made Stan Lee so important to a lot of these people was that he made them feel special because you read these stories. You were immersed in these stories and you felt heroic. I mean, how many rappers have said that? They read, you know, a Ghostface Killer. Read, uh, you know, Iron Man. He wanted to be Tony Stark. That's why he's Tony Stark in his raps. Why, uh, you know, what's the name? Uh, Method Man is go is is Johnny Blaze and and his love for Ghostface Killer. How many of these guys who grew up in in rough neighborhoods or in rough situations saw? And Eminem talks about his love for comic books. R- rough situations saw these incredible stories and decided to rise up and. The fact that there are people coming in trying to, you know, kind of downplay the in- culture importance of this, I think it's because now they feel like how maybe we felt. They feel like, well, why am, why am I not getting that kind of shine? Why is, you know, a Chris Evans or a Rob Downey Jr. getting the shine for doing a superhero movie and, like, those spots, that money, those contracts that I was getting aren't going to me anymore? You know, Bill Maher, maybe there are deals that he thinks he could get that he isn't getting because it's going to people who are more nerd based in their comedy you know how many of these comedians now are kind of they kind of come up in like the nerd gimmick and that's not bill maher you know like it's you know we've that movie title revenge of the nerds i think that literally is what these people feel like is happening and and this is their uh this is their swing back and of course because i think as a society people like to be contrarians now i think that they get followers who then go and kind of parrot the same thing without really knowing what the hell they're talking about yeah yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, I think it's it's always, especially with what he said, if you read the, the whole, like, post, it's just anger. It's just him lashing out at this at the whole culture, you know, and off of, on on someone's death. That's which, what's so which, crazy which about makes this. makes it so more. Yeah. You know? And it's like, that's, that's just anger. If you're going to do it on someone's death, that means you've been thinking about this, you know, for a while. And you've just been meaning to say it. But just nothing has come up for you to say it. And you're so angry that you don't you know? even have the filter in your head. Yeah. Like, someone died. Maybe I shouldn't say Yeah, this. it just doesn't even register. It's like, that's just, that's crazy. It's like a death you know? happened and it reminded you to say it. Yeah, like, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, that's not someone that people should want to associate with. You know, and that's not the viewpoint that anyone should want to adopt. You know, it's someone's death. And makes the, and, you want to just denounce an entire, <laughs> entire huge group of people. People are pointing out how you know Bill Mayer is literally in Iron Man three. <laughs> you know <laughs> he got a cameo. He, lo- he loved Iron Man three. He was getting that money. Yeah, he was getting that, getting check. that Marvel check. But now all these movies now, are ruining yeah. society in some capacity. But I'm telling you, I really think it has to do with the idea that that this has become mainstream, and for Bill Maher, who he believes he's mainstream. For him not to be tuned in to that part and that money stream, even though he was, <laughs> clearly. But, like, him maybe even, you know, this is someone who works a lot. Maybe he could literally forgot about that. But, like, you know, him, I think he's nervous. 
because he realized I'm not tied in that stream. He's in politics, so in the Donald, age of Donald Trump, he's fine. Also, I think it's very ironic. He's talking about Donald Trump. I'm like, you're a political comedian. And in that arena, we you gave us Donald Trump. What does comic books have to do? If anything, you should be blaming people like you. <laughs> because you're the one who's involved with anything involving politics, and this is what you guys have created in the politics world. Yeah. So why are you coming to the superhero world blaming us for your garbage? That has nothing to do with us. That makes no sense. But um, but yeah, it's just, it's it's just ridiculous. And then like again, we can I can go on and on about how, how idiotic this was. But again, to talk about oh well, this was not a big deal before, and now it's a big deal because people are doing movies. It's like. If that was the case, then literally no one would ever do movies. Like, imagine sitting there and being like, "Well, these Shakespeare things were just books. Why we gotta? Why do they gotta be? Why do they gotta go on Broadway? Why do we gotta do theater? What's the What's the big deal? A hundred years ago, we were just reading them in books. We didn't care about seeing them on shows. Like, you'd be like, "Yeah, but like, things advance." <laughs> yeah, you know? literally, it's his like whole concept thing. makes no sense because it's it's just a a, a rag on. Really, all forms of fiction. Because what's the difference between a comic book story and any form of yeah, fiction? Yeah, I'm sure he watched Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones yeah. is basically a superhero. Yeah. He has not superpowers, but he is an adventurer. He does mm-hmm. the same kind of thing that yeah. Batman would do. And I was thinking, I was, and I, me and Ken were talking about this before, and I was making the same comparison. I was like, what about all the adults that are like crazy over Game of Thrones? Exactly. Or like, and Lord, I love Lord we both. We do yeah. a Game of Thrones show, literally. Bill Murray works for HBO, <laughs> which airs Game of Thrones. Which if, all these people are crazy about. If and it's he, if he wanted to attack, he's not going to attack Game of Thrones because he works for HBO. But if he did, it would have the same. It would be using the same logic that he used to attack Marvel. Yeah. And to attack Stan Lee and to attack these comic book fans. So it's why why would you? Again, it's something me and EJ talk about a lot where it's like he doesn't think past the first thing. Yeah. That's like, been my big thing. Yeah. Kendall knows that I talked about it on Sports Talk a lot. Man, there's no critical thinking anymore. It's like you see stuff, and like I think it's because just like the knee-jerk reaction. I could post a blog post in it's, 10 he's minutes. Frustrated. I I tweet, for whatever reason, he's frustrated. I could tweet in 30 seconds. Like When that happens, it, it, it's dangerous because you, you – you, something comes to your head, and if you don't really think about it, you well, could you just put think, it out there. Oh, I was in Iron Man three. Oh, I worked for HBO, which airs Game of Thrones, which is the same thing. Like any critical thinking, Bill Maher would have done, and would have been like, "This isn't a good idea." But it's not just Bill Maher; it's, it's a lot of people. I, I could go through various things where I watch stuff, and I'm like, "You guys aren't doing any critical thinking because you're only thinking one level beyond the knee jerk reaction that you just had to something." And that's where we get these terrible things but again not to spend much more time on that I, we all of course um you know stanley I don't, I don't know how much more family he has i know there was issues with people trying to steal money from him what his relationship with his daughter is was a little unclear but to his family of course our condolences and um and rest in peace man he's not his this is a guy whose legacy will live on like uh, forever it may be harsh but like it's gonna live on for like decades and decades and maybe even centuries like this is a guy who i don't think that we even quite know the grasp of his impact yet like i feel like i won't know it until maybe i'm like really old yeah i mean like, honestly Stan Stan Lee. Lee's gotten more he gotten more popular as he became less public because his, his properties became more popular. right you know like yeah the new millennium once yeah. the movies if he 
if he were younger, he'd be an even huger he'd be, star. Yeah, he'd be Steve yeah. Jobs. Or he'd be like yeah. he'd be like, you know, some like crazy mogul. And it's got to the point where even people at my job who just just regular people. Stan Lee is dead. Everyone came we, out to I, me. I want a moment of silence. Yeah. In the room for just for Stan Lee's passing. It's like you're comic book these are not comic book right. people. These are not comic book people. You just understand. But the superhero movies have now touched it, it's it is the industry. You yeah. know, like it is it's the movies that make the most money. It's the movies that are the most popular. I mean, it'd be it's, like it's if, hard to be untouched. I mean, Stan Lee in the same level of like James Naismith or somebody like right. he, yeah, like he, he is, created seriously. a sport or he created a yep. an entire culture, an entire industry. Yeah, like I mean, he, to me, like his only rival in pop culture is George Lucas. To me, right now, in terms of like people, I mean. He Honestly. just died, unfortunately. Like, but yeah. I mean, who were living? I think, to, like, to me, I would argue he's ahead, he's ahead of George Lucas. That's why I said rival. I didn't say yeah equal. <laughs> right, right. George Lucas and George Lucas was a better businessman, so he made more money off of. But I could property. argue maybe like Bill Gates, maybe. Bill Gates is not a pop culture to me, though. He's like science. I know he sold. He sold. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> like, because it's would say, be like, the same it's, case. But it's like, become. I would say it, it's almost like become pop culture, to be like, on the internet. Tech yeah, to be a tech mogul. <laughs> There's guess. so much like it's become entertainment at this point. It's tied in. I just mean. I just mean. I just mean his impact isn't directly related to pop culture. When he's like, like the way Bezos. the way obviously. Yeah, exactly. Jeff Bezos. So like, <laughs> he's just a money. He's just a money guy. At this point. <laughs> But R.I.P. Stanley, we miss him, and uh, and uh, Excelsior, as he's always, um, which is like onward, always forward or onward or whatever. He, I think onward is what it means. Yes. Uh, to Mr. Stanley, let's uh, let's let's uh, continue the show and let's talk about um, the rest of the stuff we have for today. And let's start off with Agents of Shield. So, yeah, this was a pretty big news this week. It was shocking, I think, to pretty much everyone. I didn't see anyone on. That reported on it or was commented on it that was not surprised that this happened. But Agents of Shield actually was renewed for season seven. When I saw the report, I was very confused. I was like, "We know season the next season is happening." It's like was that on the fence? Then I realized it was like, "Oh no, this is for the next season for 2020," which means that season six is is happening. Season seven is not happening for 2020. It's all kind of weird, um, you know. Agents of Shield's ratings hasn't haven't been great. They're moving to the summer, uh, so that may help it. We don't. They don't really know. We don't know what's really gonna mean that it's gonna be in the summer. Uh, yeah, I want, uh, yeah, I wanted to pick your brain about this, DJ. What do you? Why do you think this has happened? There's a couple of things. So I think part of it is definitely. I think. I think this definitely is a counteract to what happened with Netflix. There's a breakdown with Netflix. Uh, there's word that you know they've already pitched season four of their of Daredevil to Netflix. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but they axed two of their shows, and I believe both of those shows are, are ABC Studio shows, Luke Cage and Iron Fist, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yeah. So clearly, they're hurting a little bit, and from the Marvel side, and I think that they 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 value. Marvel as an entity on television because they own Marvel, <laughs> you know Disney owns Marvel, so they're not so they're going to be more partial to it than 
maybe other random shows that they have that they'd be more willing to kind of ax if they weren't getting the ratings they were getting. So this is money that they can keep in-house. They spend the money, then they keep the money all in-house. They don't have to spend pay another studio to come up with something or another franchise to come up with something that they could then buy off of them. So, uh, so, they, so I think that they saw those properties get hurt and those deals crumble and therefore that's an avenue of money that's not coming in. It made them maybe less wary of wanting to cut a show like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And i tell you what, guys, when I think about the ABC connection, it's tough only because we know how graphic uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist can get, but I'm starting to wonder if we do get some kind of con- uh, of crossover with actually Iron Fist and Luke Cage being on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think, because to me, to, to have a story that we know is already set and done, that means some, there must be something season seven that they feel is going to be worthwhile already for them to do. I don't know what that would be other than that or something that comes out of Avengers 4 that we don't know what happens yet. That's what I was thinking. I was like, do you think it may be something scroll-related? Well, so, be- so, that, that, so that's something that's possible. I also think what's possible is because what we're seeing what's happening on this Disney app, maybe they now have an understanding and maybe there's a more of a loosening on the characters that, that can be included in an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. Maybe there will be more of an effort to cross over these shows than maybe there has been in the past because they're clearly in that business now with these shows they're launching on Disney Plus. Yeah. I mean and we're getting I mean we're getting Colson and um Captain Marvel. Yes. They're they're crossing these characters over now. You know, right. it's not it's no longer a thing of no, there there's never gonna be on two things at the same time. Like, well, Colson's gonna be in Captain Marvel and I question whether that's the last be word we've seen of Colson. In Agents of Shield, so I mean, we already have that happening. Um, I suspect that this has something more to do with Avengers. Again, we of course we don't know what's happening. It, it could be scroll related. I think there's a chance it will be scroll related, just because we know the scrolls are in Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, I mean I I would certainly hope that Luke Cage and Iron Fist and the other characters and the defenders making an appearance. I'm still not. I, I, it's hard to be an optimist when it comes to that. Right. I mean, hopefully that does happen. Um, but I'm always just gonna be like, look, until they say something, you know, just because they've had those those characters on lock, just don't even think about it yeah, for yeah. so long. Yeah. And and there's been a contentious relationship between yeah exactly television and movies. Yeah. So. Um, but I mean, hopefully they they can you know move past that. There have been slight you know, Easter eggs in the past. With, yeah, like, they've had the, like a couple of photos and know. stuff and with like things on like tickers. Oh, you know Frank Castle, blah blah blah. And yeah, like, what? <laughs> and it lose their mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, but yeah, hopefully we get something more concrete. You know, we get someone else to show up. But either way, I'm super excited for this because I I was completely under the impression that. Agent Shield was dead, and this was just like kind of like how Gotham. We know Gotham is dead. Yeah, that's how I was treating this season. Yeah, I think we. All, I think everyone was. I think we all felt like. I think we all were able to come to grips with yeah. that. And I think even the cast and, and crew, like when we went to the Agents of Shield panel, um, was it last year? Yeah. Uh, they. I felt like even they were like, yeah, you know, they understood. It was coming they understood, it. like, yeah, we don't think this is gonna. Yeah, they had a comfort. There was a comfort that they had. Similar to how Gotham when we saw them this year. Yeah. Yeah, there was a comfort exactly. to them. That yeah, that didn't suggest that it wasn't suggesting that oh we'll be on forever. It was more of a comfort that like 
we've accomplished yeah we've a lot done so much yeah. and like yeah. we're here and this could end soon we're gonna enjoy that we're here now exactly and that's clearly not true they're gonna be on for two more years this is yeah. crazy yeah uh what does this mean kendall what is happening here all i gotta say is our compliance has been rewarded <laughs> no that was cheesy <laughs> um that's like a almost like a dated reference now. Yeah, a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, that, that was like the Whitehall days. Yeah, Whitehall. Um, no, we. Uh, this is interesting, obviously, because Agents of Shield, like you guys said, a show going into season six that we assumed was on its last leg. Agents of Shield, honestly, it's gonna be weird because every season it feels like it's on its last leg. For like the last four yeah. years, it's yeah. been like, oh, this is probably the last season. <laughs> yeah. You know, ever since like Ghost Rider and they're like, we're going to move it to 10 o'clock, you know. Yeah. We're going to bury it at the 10 o'clock slot. It was like, oh, this is it. I know. It's over. But, um, so now we we can watch this season knowing it's not the end. You know, it's, yeah. it's going to continue. So that's going to be an interesting, uh, switch up. Um, I tend to think that this is a story, that there is a, a story reason why they feel like they have to continue it or they really should continue it it's just so weird kendall because it's a show like they like it's been noted very obviously in every reporting is that it's so it's not a show that gets ratings it does perform well in streams and yeah. in dvr watches which is a big reason why they probably did right. keep it but it's not a show so like what is the story reason for keeping a story on its seventh season like continuing a story that very few people are watching, arguably. Maybe not even arguably. What is the benefit of that? Unless well, it's something larger. There, there, are, there, are, there are multiple theories. Either it's the story reason of, like, something's going to happen in Avengers 4 or Captain Marvel that's going to be like, well, we have to connect with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. somehow. And that will bring people to see it, regardless of the, the, if they've watched the other seasons. Possibly. Like, how they connected... Uh, Winter Soldier mm-hmm. to uh, Agents of Shield. I don't know if that helped ratings or not, but it's kind of one of those where they kind of had to do it. Um, that was season one, though, so it was a little different. But it's either that, which, like Shamari mentioned, it could be a scroll connection somehow, where they do maybe they do Agents of Shield Secret Invasion as like an arc. Um, that could be crazy. I feel like this also could be th- the other theory that this is some sort of business deal where something you know the suits behind the scenes some there was a shift in their their plan a shift in their thinking where we've because i i I don't think they thought the agency shield had much life left because they would have made it you know 13 episodes in the middle of the summer you know that that felt like a nail in the coffin Mm -hmm. so then to then revive it makes me think that there was some sort of uh massive shift in their plan, a U-turn. Yeah, that was an audible. Yeah, it was an audible called at some point. My guess, if I had to theorize on what that audible is, I think that we'll probably, not probably, I think there's a good chance we'll see uh, Season 7 on the Disney streaming app. And if that happens, uh, I think they'll find a way to connect that with the shows that we already mm. have coming up on that. Um, I don't know what that does for the the production of the show, if it changes, if they have to tone it down a little bit, I don't know, but uh, well, so I wouldn't far, be surprised it, it wasn't on ABC. The way it's been reported, though, it's been saying that ABC renewed it for a season seven. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I was been... going to say, like, it's interesting that it would be renewed, but then it would be, it'd be turning it into a web series. 
know? Yeah, and that's right. and like and from what we've gathered, it hasn't been, nothing has been said about shifting. I mean, maybe that's just semantics. I mean, again, Disney owns all these properties. They right. could say, tell us. They could tell us whatever they want. But maybe this is ABC then saying it, but then it won't actually be on ABC. But they, it was announced as ABC was renewing the show. Interesting. So I would kind of throw a monkey wrench in that. Yeah. Is that, do you think that at all? At what I said is at all possible that Luke Cage and Iron actually show up in Agents of Shield? I I wouldn't. I would hold my breath. I, I tell you what, I think that there's a much better chance than we think. <laughs> I mean, I, I I've given up on some of these uh, these pipe dream crossovers. I just think the only thing that made me <laughs> curious was that again they didn't know that this was going to be canceled. That could also be. I mean, and, again, I, and this is I feel obvious, like there was an audible. We all, I think, we all agreed this is a change in strategy that yeah. happened. Over so it's like, well, months, oh, yeah. so my thing is okay. Well, what's happened with Marvel Television, ABC Studios that would have any be anywhere near related to that. That's the only thing that's happened is that they lost two shows that they were producing. So if they were producing those two shows and those shows right now have no home. We've kind of talked about how difficult it may be to produce, put, put those people in other shows or start those shows up again. Could they end up appearing in something else? The other, the other theory, which is a, a lot more common is that, they saw they they know what they have for season six. They read the script. They've I don't know if it's been filmed or not, but they they they're very so yeah they're very confident that this is gonna be so good that they can't they can't cancel it. I mean, does they it, just don't seem to the TV execs don't seem to care about that. Yeah, that's why I don't. That's why I'm not. That's um, why I think it's a behind the scenes deal. I mean, I think it could be that plus the Avengers thing. Because mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't the season come out after Avengers? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. So I mean, you would assume that this season would have to be affected by what happens. Yes, to, I think it will be know, affected in, whether it's in it's, Infinity War and in yeah whether War. this season starts with it being what happened after Infinity War or it <coughs> ends with whatever happens after Avengers Four. I think that I do. I just, you would think that this yeah there's going to be a massive change. Like I thought it was kind of crazy for them to do the season the way they did it and not have it really connect to. It worked out great. It was still a great season, but like to have it not really connect to anything that was happening with the Avengers, shocking. And then like, like in fact, it was like Thanos allowing you know Graviton to just like take Chicago. Yeah, Thanos was like it's all good. That that's <laughs> that, that that's kid stuff. <laughs> I want the bigger thing. I'm, I'm in Wakanda. Yeah. Uh, so that that it kind of was goofy. So there maybe there's uh, effort to make this next go around less goofy. Who knows? But um. We'll be watching because we now know it's going to be happening. So we're excited. We know we all know how much we love Agents of Shield. It has won several Jennies uh, in terms of individual characters. It won the best show a couple years ago. So, uh, so we'll see what they bring for season seven. We're excited now to see definitely what happens for season six. But let's move on now. Let's talk about the Eternals uh, again. This is a show, or excuse me, not a show, a uh, a movie. It's being launched by Marvel. Uh, to talk about the celestial characters that we really don't know much about. They haven't really been referenced that much. Well, celestials have been mentioned in the movies in terms of the Guardians, Volume 1, but the overall idea of these specific characters have not been mentioned at all. So this will be a kind of a brand new take uh, and a brand new introduction to these characters. But it sounds like we may be getting some more details as to what's going to be in this movie. So, uh, the hashtag show, 
is giving us some details, some character breakdowns for who we expect to see in the movie. One of the characters that was noted was the male lead, who was described only as a Greek god. That's Zeus? <laughs> not quite Zeus. I mean, it could be Zeus, though that would be a little surprising. I mean, when you think of Zeus, we think of Greek gods in the Marvel Universe. Hercules comes to mind for a lot of people. So, Zeus versus Odin? Well, I mean, it isn't Odin like that now. So I guess Zeus can be the new Odin. Well, that's the thing. This movie is <laughs> this movie is thought to be a prequel. This movie is thought to be taking place thousands of years ago. So this movie is going to have, I think, a very different take or very different look than anything we've seen uh, from Marvel. I think this is going to... this. I mean, I think this is Marvel's, like, really, like... Shot in the like shot in the dark, like let's go away from our normal, um, playbook. huh? Our playbook. Yeah, our normal playbook of like you know, you know, mixing some comedy, mixing some humor, mixing some Origin. action, and then come up with a, a, a decent, decent story, and then that's the Marvel formula. I think this might be something that's very different. Uh, we'll also know that they're looking for a character who's uh, Karen, who's uh, in her early thirties. Um, nationality apparently could be anything from Middle Eastern to Black to Native American, but it's described as a uh, powerful, timeless quality, a leader, warm, nurturing, in, in, uh, uh, intuitive. Sorry. Um, and so we talked about the male being Hercules. They're looking for someone to be uh, uh, Druig, who would be the uh, villain for this uh, for this movie. He appeared in the in the in the, uh, in the comic books. They also uh, have someone looking for a Piper, and pretty much uh, the Forgotten One, Icarus, the characters we've talked about before with the uh, Eternals, Cersei, Shamari. Do you like what you're hearing with some of this, the characters that they're looking at in regards to this movie, and some of the the, the people they may be looking to, to play these roles? I like what I'm hearing. I mean, it's Marvel. You know, whenever I mean, it's if this were DC and look, I, I, it's always yeah, it's always yeah, what it comes out DC, to. <laughs> I'd be like, this it is, is terrible. Yeah, the, uh, the always, DC, DC fanboys are just ready. It's just always what it comes down to. Get look, the down votes ready. Look, this episode, look DC podcast. <laughs> DC fans, DC bots. We have to get, have to get ratioed. DC fans. No, but like, I, no, I like DC. Of course, like I'm not. I don't mean to like rag on DC or DC movies. I like a lot of DC movies. You know, yeah. you know, like Shamari, the, the resident DC you know, fan. But at the same time, I think they have been more up and down than Marvel. I'm just gonna keep it real. Like Marvel, with when it comes to their movies, they've been more consistently good. You know, I don't know what it is about. Shamari, you getting checks from Disney? You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. is. You know, Iger has been very, very good uh, leader. Not, <laughs> but um, but but no, but like for real. You know, um. I think this is, from the beginning, I've said this, this is a um, more of a risk, you know, because these people are completely unknown to uh, um, to uh, just your standard fan. Right. It's very similar to Guardians in that this is a big risk. They, so they have to make sure that they do this right. Um, the characters seem interesting. Um, the whole thing, the Greek god, which, you know, we're, we're to believe is Hercules. Um that's definitely someone that's known and and it can bring a lot of people into the, bring a lot of people in. I in um, fact kind of think maybe Hercules could be a character that somehow gets brought into our present day. 
because he's someone who has worked and fought alongside our present heroes in the comic books. Mm. I mean, he, could be I, our, he could be our connection to this time, why this time is even interesting. I mean, I think so, too. Um, hey, I mean, I mean, look, man, it's Marvel. They got to they gotta find out how to, how to make it work. I mean, we already have Thor, you know, which that's already one kind of old-timesy kind of god person. So you're going to have to add another one. And it's Hercules, and you're gonna have to convince people that it makes sense that Hercules is, is interacting with, uh, you know, it make make it making sense in the comics is one thing, because it's a comic book. Mm-hmm. But you gotta make it more realistic for the movies, so they have to try to find a way to make that work. Kind of one of the characters that I think is bringing a lot of attention is Star Fox. Yeah, man. Who is the brother of the Mad Titan that we've gotten to know very, yeah. very closely yeah, in Thanos? What do you think of his uh, inclusion in this movie potentially? Yeah, that could be interesting. Um, I feel like, uh, there were a lot of people back when Guardians was coming out, and especially Guardians 2 in the build-up, that thought he was going to be Star-Lord's dad. Mm. Um, obviously they decided to go a different route, decided to make it, uh, Ego, but clearly they still had plans for Star Fox. Maybe that's why they didn't use Star Fox in that role, because they wanted to use him in this movie. Um... But overall, I think the Eternals, like you guys mentioned, it, this is an interesting project for Marvel because not only are they unknown, um, at this point, I like Shamari mentioned, I'm not really worried about that because the Guardians were unknown and that was obviously a smashing success and is not one of Disney's biggest brands. So they can they can get past that, but not only are they unknown to the casual fan, but they're also, like EJ mentioned, much different from what they've done and much different than what the casual fan will be used to from a Marvel movie or a Marvel group or Marvel story. Um, So they're going to have to operate this a little differently. I do imagine that they'll take a similar playbook that these for guardians in that they will cast a lot of major actors. I'll think the same thing. You know, I would be shocked if Hercules was not like an A-list or B-list actor, Wahlberg. Yeah, you know, <laughs> somebody that's like a household name, like you said, Wahlberg, uh, John Cena. I don't know, whoever it is, it'll be somebody that we know. Um, yeah, exactly. The Rock's always play her, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's no way it's gonna be the Rock. It's not gonna be the Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Crossover. <laughs> um, or, uh, and I think the rest of the cast will also comprise of actors that we know because you kind of have to do that because no one's going to see an Eternal. I mean, I know it's Marvel, but if it's actors that you've never heard of, playing characters you've never heard of, yeah. and a universe you've never heard of, why would I see? Especially if, like you said, it's way far, you know, disconnected from the current MCU, why would I go see it? Now, if you told me that it was characters I never heard of, in a universe I never heard of, being, but with actors that are people that I'm very familiar with, that's a little more enticing, especially for the casual viewer. Kind of like what they yeah. did with um, Guardians. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's, that's Guardians. That was definitely one of the or major, even Suicide uh, Squad. Exactly. Yeah, one of the major selling points of Guardians. And I think one. Has. I think that the star power is getting more important because Guardians also sold you comedy. I don't think this They're movie is going to be selling you comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. I know one of the characters is could be comedic Piper. Um, I'm sure Hercules would have some comedic moments, but the rest of these characters aren't funny characters. I don't expect this movie to be very funny. Uh, I think this movie would be very uh, 
grandiose. I expect it to be very, like, eye-popping and very spectacular. I expect it to be a big spectacle. So, in order to do that, spectacle isn't going to be enough just to get people to show up. And I think even... So, I think those big actors are going to have to be there. And I think we all agree that, that that's going to have to be a key for them to, to, to drive this movie. They're going to have to sell people on, you need to see this actor in this role and it's Marvel. Because at least, with, like you said, with Guardians and with Ant-Man, like, even though those are characters a lot of people maybe weren't familiar with, they were within the current timeline of Marvel. So you knew with the way Marvel crosses over that these people were going to be important whether you cared about them or not. So there was an interest to see, well, okay, well, what are they doing? With these characters, like I said, except for Hercules, I don't think that any of them will ever cross over with anyone that's currently in the Marvel Universe. So, what's going to be the draw? Star Fox, maybe. Maybe Star Fox. In some capacity. Uh, but besides those two characters, I think it's very unlikely these characters cross over. So, what's going to be the draw? The draw's got to be the star power. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the interesting thing with Hercules is going to be how they differentiate him from Thor. Or how do they make it clear that... I mean, I mean, for the normal, for for the average person, or at least somebody with that like we mentioned critically thinks like you'll understand that you know Greek mythology, Norse mythology, but like I feel like the average casual fan isn't gonna, you know, might not be, might not recognize that there's a, a difference between Thor and Hercules and be like, and yeah, and why yeah. are they? Two I, but I guys? think Hercules is is such a well known Greek god that. <coughs> I think that they can get away with... He's such a big name. Right, right. Like, right. I feel like they could... Like, like, people understand Hercules and Thor are not the same people. Like, yeah. Right. And, they're, and, they're, and they're, they're their own brands. And, like, Thor, brands. they've created a particular character with Thor, the way he talks, the way he acts. That I think it shouldn't be that difficult. Now, yes, there will be people saying, do we need this character when right. we have Thor? But those people are going to... They're going to say that. They said that... They were probably saying that in the 70s when people were reading Thor and Hercules. When they clashed, when they teamed up. Things like that, but uh, but it doesn't mean that they don't have value. So I think that they'll find a way to make it work. Cause like DC's made it very obvious the difference between Cap, Cap- Shazam, Shazam and, Superman. and Superman. Right. Like they've made it a point to almost make Shazam even more. And like there's in Marvel, satirical. in Marvel, in the comic books has made it made it. They've made strides. Thor and Hercules are not that similar. Yeah, I wouldn't think that they would be, but it's, I don't know. I just worry about that comparison that will yeah, undoubtedly just in, just be made. I think it's inevitable. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if there's really much they can even do about it. Yeah, just in terms of the nature of who the characters are. And their the origins. They, yeah, the fact that they're kind of like, they play the same role in their mythologies. Right. You know, people are going to be Mirror like. images of each other. Yeah, people are going to be like, why are they both in the same universe? And people are going to be like, why are there two different mythologies? How did that even work? Yeah, yeah. Well, why, are why, why are there Thor's mythologies? What other mythologies are in yeah. the universe? Why, yeah, I know. And then it's going to be coming. I, I would be shocked if it doesn't become a whole cultural uh, storyline. Why can't we get my gods? And, you know, but that's a whole other conversation. Well, like, I will say, though, that <laughs> it seems like they're definitely, uh, with the castings and some of the stuff they're looking for, they're definitely looking for a diverse cast. Right. Uh, diverse cast and ethnicity, diverse cast and age. So that's something to also to consider and think about when we watch this movie is I think that that's going to be a strength of it potentially is if they're able to get a lot of different kinds of people involved so that they can kind of pull 
um, fans from all over the place. Because I think that that's, they're going to need that in order to get people to come to this movie. Uh, what do you think is like a, a good number for this movie opening weekend? Oh, I mean, at this point, Marvel movies want to break $100 million. That should be the, the standard. So you think $100 million I mean, it might regardless. be more. Like, but what? I, it, a lot of it. I, it's still early. I have to see who they cast. You know, as these characters, what the budget is, that kind of stuff. But I would say, yeah, at this point, every Marvel movie should be should be no less than a hundred million. Well, you should. That'd be a failure. This is definitely the I think Marvel's biggest reach. Is a hundred million still the goal? I think that's still the goal. Wow. This is gonna need a big budget for yeah. this to even yeah, for, for this to work in general. Period. Yeah, this is gonna need a huge budget. So, yeah, I would say the same. Wow, we'll see if they can get it done. I think they'll have. I think it's also gonna take a massive marketing campaign, and that also includes a big budget. You need the money to market it. But uh, uh, this is gonna have to be because I think that we talk about marketing campaigns that were well done. Garden Galaxy also had an excellent marketing campaign for that movie. To the point where people had to see it. They were like, who are these guys? These famous actors that we know. They're playing these kind of crazy characters. Uh, they need to do the same thing with this one. I think Guardians might have been their best marketing campaign of all the movies they've done so far. So uh, I expect a similar uh, response with this one. Let's move on now. Let's talk about uh, a DC movie here, The Flash. Um, last we checked, it was Flashpoint. I don't know if that's still happening, but... Because there have been a lot of different directors. There's been some stopping goes. So we don't know really where we are with the movie. But uh, Ezra Miller did do a, a, a interview with Playboy where he spoke about the movie. And he says that it is still happening. He says, quote, nothing is ever certain in this world. But as certain as things get, we're making a effing crazy dope Flash movie. Um, it's one of my great life dreams. And just the fact that we're on the way, anyone who knows... But Barry Allen knows he may arrive late, very late. But once he gets there, it's all solved. We have to trust. So, there, um, Ezra Miller is saying that not only is this movie still happening, but that it's crazy dope, in his words. Do you believe him, Shem? I believe him. I mean, I think that he, you know, I think he's still, you know, in communication with, you know, of course, the people over, uh, working over at... Uh, Warner Brothers, you know, Hamada is still like, listen, we need you here. You know, you, you're still going to get your movie. Like, stay patient, stay calm. We're trying to right this ship. You know, but I think I think this is still in their plans. People liked Ezra Miller on the, for the most part, you know. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't think he's one of those people that are like, uh, maybe we should stay away from this. Just how, how people liked, uh, um... Uh, Momoa, mm-hmm. you know. Though I, I don't know if they could have canceled. <laughs> I don't know if they could have stopped that movie when he arrived. But well, though they probably could have because they might stop. Uh, Fox might stop stop Dark Phoenix. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, uh, but like, but yeah, I mean, I think that I think he's telling the truth. You know, I think he's still he's, you know, they're still. Um, even if they're not like shooting now, they're like still working on making this movie. Um, and I think they should, because I, I didn't I didn't dislike Ezra Miller's Flash, um, you know, and uh, and I, I think they could still make a very good Flash movie. 
And now they have this whole Worlds of DC thing going on. They can really make it whatever they want. And this Flashpoint thing would make even more sense because it doesn't have to be a part yeah, of the Yeah, you can really do whatever you want now. They can do whatever they want. Right. So I really, I really think that, um, uh, you know, I, I believe him. And I, I think they're still going to make this movie. Kendall, do you believe Ezra Miller they're making a crazy dope Flash movie over at DC? Yeah, you know, I, I totally trust that uh, Playboy has a scoop on when when the DCEU movies are coming out. I totally sure, trust sure. the Playboy interview. Um, nah, nah. Honestly, I I don't think this movie is happening. Uh, if it does, it, it won't be for a while. Um, a lot of this is going to be on the backs of how Aquaman is, how Wonder Woman 84 is, uh, and whatever movie. I mean, I guess Birds of Prey is coming out. I'm pretty confident in that one at this point, but... Um, Flash, I think, is still down the line. Um, they're, I, I feel like Walter Hamada at this point is like, he's like that guy that, you know, Ezra Miller is like asking him, you know, yeah, we're still doing the Flash, right? And then he's like, oh, yeah, sure. And, you know, Ezra Miller like looking at his watch like, we'll start filming in like two weeks. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, we're still doing that movie. Uh, he did the same thing to Chris McKay. Chris McKay keeps saying, the director of Nightwing. He said, oh, yeah, we're definitely doing Nightwing. Last I checked, you know, last I heard, we're still doing Nightwing. And I'm like, there's no way Walter Armada cares about a Nightwing movie right now or cares about The Flash. He's clearly his focus is singularly on uh, Wonder Woman and Aquaman and the Batman and, and Birds of Prey. And, and, uh, and Shazam. And Shazam, obviously. And those are his only movies that he's concerned with right now. Uh, Cyborgs in the back burner, on the back burner. Uh, Suicide Squad 2 is on the back burner. Um, yeah, it's like the movies we know he cares about, he cares about because we keep hearing about them. We're hearing reports. We, we had a report heard. this week about who's, who could possibly be playing Cat, uh, Cassandra Kane in the Birds of Prey movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, that means they're hear- actively doing things. Right. They're not actively doing Jack for the Flash. <laughs> they're not actively doing Jack for Cyborg or Green Lantern Corps uh, or Suicide Squad 2. I'm not saying those movies will never come out. And maybe they will, but a lot of it will hinge on those movies that are actively in development or have already f- been filmed. Um, so I don't think Ezra Miller knows anything. I mean, I'm sure he's gotten the update again that, oh, yeah, yeah, it's happening. Don't worry. Just be patient. But... Uh, they're not going to be filming anything anytime soon. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I sided with Kendall. Not to say that it's not they're not going to do a movie, because they will do a movie, I think, with Ezra Miller. But I, I do agree this idea that like Ezra Miller has a good idea that they have something in store that's going to be really exciting, that's something he'd really be excited about. I don't buy that. Uh, there's too much. There's been too much chaos with this project, too many different directors, different scripts. Um... I can't believe that he is very confident in knowing exactly what he's going to be signing up for once he eventually does get on a set right now. I maybe there maybe there's something that hasn't been reported that we have not seen that has not been spoken to the masses that he knows that we don't know. That's very possible. But just from the tea leaves that we've seen for this project, this has probably been. I think this has been DC's most problematic project. I think even more so than the Batman. And I know that's saying a lot because Batman has just been all over the place. But at least the Batman has a director. <laughs> um, has a director that's actually working on a script that he's actually updated us on. I mean, we have heard 
everything about the Flash. It's Flash and yeah, nothing literally, at the literally same time. Like five directors. Yeah, yeah. director, different scripts, different stories. I mean, it's been completely all over the place. Now it's been a long time since we gotten any updates. So could they have kind of righted the ship during this little, I guess, what you call it, down period, perhaps? But uh, I, I just think it's hard for me to believe that. Oh, he's he knows exactly what they're doing, and that this that he knows is going to be great. And he he's speaking on some kind of experience with knowing the story that this is going to be a dope movie. I, I can't believe that right now. I hope to be wrong. I hope he. I hope for DC stake that they're one of their biggest stars. They would keep him in tune. And keep him abreast about what they're uh, trying to accomplish. But I don't think they really know right now. Um, I think Kamada's trying to get the ship in order. And, I, and for the most part, I think he's done a decent job so far. We will see how the first iteration goes with Aquaman in just a couple of weeks. And then I think we'll have even a really a better idea next year when we get Shazam and Wonder Woman. Then I think we'll know for sure where we are with the new regime. But... Uh, for now, I, I think that it's still kind of a wait-and-see game. And I think that he's kind of just making sure that they get these next few right. Because they, they cannot strike out anymore. They can't have, a, 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 at least not for a while. Like, maybe if they get, if these next three movies are great and then they get a bad one, I think they can survive. They But within these next three, they can't have any of these joints flop. So, I can't imagine that he's knee-deep into figuring out a plan for the Flash when he doesn't know how these next two movies are going to come out. And he doesn't know what's happening with Batman. That seems unlikely. I mean, I see, I see where you guys are coming from. I definitely see where you guys are coming from. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just I like to think that he has a plan, some sort of plan, you know, like Feige, but not like Feige. And that Feige has a whole big whiteboard with a million, well, maybe not a million ideas, but a lot of ideas. You know, I think my thing is, I think Hamada has a whiteboard, and, and just like, just right. like Feige, the problem is that I think Feige knows what's on the whiteboard and what's in contracts, what's in motion. Right. You know, I think Hamada and DC's problem is they've had a whiteboard, and then they're going around telling people what's on the whiteboard. That's I think has really been the biggest difference between Marvel and DC. I have no doubt that Marvel has had just as many. Plans that have thought been thought of that probably flamed out yeah, been that we've never heard of. We only heard of one, that's and, been we, and we'll never and hear. Human. Right, and humans was the only one, and we actually saw that whole thing play out. But there were probably other, plenty of other ideas that they thought about that didn't work, that they didn't do, that and never we, happened, that we'll never know. We've about. heard like, oh yeah, like they wanted to do, they wanted Black Panther to be in the Spider-Man role in Civil War, or Wasp was supposed to be in Civil War before Spider-Man showed up, like. Yeah. I've heard that kind of stuff, but like, there's probably some horror stories that Marvel has experienced. Absolutely. Like, oh man, we had plans to do like we Iron do Man versus the Fly. Yeah, exactly. A Ghost Rider movie, like eight years ago, but like they realized last minute is a terrible idea. Yeah. Or an actor pulled out, and they're like, oh, "We're not doing this anymore." Like. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I just think that. I mean, I, I. Here's the thing. I think he ha- still has plans to do a Flash movie. And I think that's what he's telling Ezra Miller. You know. And but I agree. I, I think Ezra Miller's asking. He's probably like, yeah, we're still going to do the movie. But do you think, I guess me and Kendall were kind of alluding to Ezra's confidence that not only is this movie happening, but that they have a great plan in place. He doesn't know if his joint's good or not. That's that's where <laughs> me and Kendall are like, we don't, we don't buy that at all. Well, I don't think he, I agree with Kendall. I think he has no idea what this movie even is. I probably agree with that, for the, for the most part. <laughs> I don't because, know if I'm because, how, because how could they? Yeah, 
I mean, how could they? They haven't really. They I mean, in theory, he should. I mean, They've been working on this for like six years. Yeah, because they had to push it back with all this stuff. <laughs> I mean, they shouldn't. They. I mean, what they what they have coming up, they really shouldn't have been. I think that's Hamada kind of jumped in and he's like trying to fix all of it. Yeah. You know, so he's just like, let listen, we're still doing the movie. You know, maybe the bait, the very basis of the movie is still there. I haven't scrapped that yet, but we're still doing it. You know, I think I kind of think that's what's going on. And I, like, do you, do you think Marvel? Like, how long do you think Marvel has had the plan to do a Black Widow movie? Oh, forever. Probably since Phase One. Yeah. Probably when they introduced. We, I mean, we've heard those whispers. They probably told. They yeah. probably told Scarlett Johansson yeah. then. Oh yeah, we're gonna you're gonna get your own movie. Yeah, we've, and we've heard the whispers of a Black Widow movie before we even did this show. Exactly. So like, imagine if it was like confirmed in the Hollywood Reporter eight years ago that we were getting a Black Widow movie. We'd be like, yo, how long is it taking for them to right. make this Black Widow movie? That's that movie's probably been on their whiteboard for like I said, ten years now. Since Iron Man two probably. And they've finally gotten to do it, getting around to do it. Still haven't officially announced it, but. They're finally getting around to do that story, but there's a lot less pressure on that movie. Nobody is, like, you know, covering it every two weeks. So what's the update on the Black Widow movie? What's the update on the when the When the news comes out, it'll come out. When the trailer comes out, when the announcement comes out, it'll come out. With The Flash, it's we have a new director every four months. We've got no script or a new script or we're scrapping the, the old script and we're going to a new one. I don't need to know... About the script for a movie that like isn't coming out for five years, I just don't need to know that stuff. Yeah, and I guarantee you that Black Widow movie that was probably being talked about when they did Iron Man Two is perhaps totally different than what we're they're working on right now. Yeah, like the problem is we see we see behind the curtain too much of what's going on with DC. We see too much of the machinations of things getting changed, things not working out, and that ends up giving them a bad rap. But the the last point I want to make on this is kind of talk about how you know. They aren't giving us these updates on script changes, director changes, and all this stuff. But it's easier to do that when you are giving us the Avengers. <laughs> like, DC has been giving us nothing. <laughs> like, it's kind of harsh but to say, but, like, you know, and it, when you give us, when you have a year when you give us BBS, that's like giving us nothing. Because there's no, no one is, like, clamoring to talk about that movie anymore once the movie comes out. It comes out, you fight about if it's good or bad, the people that are going to be in their trenches are going to try to convince you it's good, but then the majority of us will say that movie was not well done. And then you move on. Now, now you're done, and you're not even thinking about that movie anymore. So you have, they, they, they always are, I think in their mindset, I think they're always forced to try to tell you, well, something great is coming around the corner. Whereas Marvel doesn't have to do that because they're giving you great content every single time. They're giving you a movie and you're saying this is great, and the next movie they come out with already has a track record because they've had probably two sequels before that one. So it's 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 a little bit of a disadvantage in that standpoint. Like Marvel can rest on its laurels of working on a Black Panther, putting a Black Widow movie for years and years and years and not giving us any updates, and then finally confirming it. Just not even confirming, but just reports come out that now that it's in development finally. And it didn't matter because we've seen the Black Widow in all these other movies. We've seen all these other great movies in between. We weren't clamoring for that. But with D- DC, when you give us two and three bad movies in a row, you're inclined to always try to tell you, well, something coming in two years from now is going to be great. And keep your eyes out on that. And here's the updates on that. And that's, I think, played to its disadvantage. Uh, but the last story today, before we do our recaps, quickly, I do want to talk about 
uh, Travis Knight, the uh, he is the director of Bumblebee. He also did Kubold and Two Strings. Um, it sounds like he could be in line to do uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So we know that movie already has been pushed back. This was a movie that we thought was coming pretty soon, but of course we had the chaotic scene uh, involving uh, James Gunn and his firing that uh, kind of sent the movie in turmoil. This is the first uh, positive step towards production that we've heard. What do you make of the addition of maybe Travis Knight as a replacement for Gunn for Volume 3? And do you think that the cast will be behind something like this? Because they were very defendant. Uh, the very in defense of James Gunn. As long as they use his script. Uh, well, they use his script. I mean, they push the movie back. It makes me suggest that they won't be using his script. That makes me think they have to start over. Are we 100% convinced that this movie is going to come out? No. I I don't know. I'm not 100% convinced we're in the Guardians 3. I totally agree with you. You know, I mean, which is incredible considering, like I said, Guardians has become one of Disney's most recognizable brands in their portfolio. But, I mean, look, Travis Knight, we're hearing decent things about Bumblebee, Kubo and the Two Strings, not entirely popular, but, uh, well, it was good. It was good. Um, Very critically acclaimed. Yeah, Yeah. critically acclaimed. Not like, you know, seen on, on a very high level in terms of numbers. But, um... But I, I feel like uh, I'm just not convinced that, like, if they were really going to do Guardians 3, what's the point of pushing it back so far? Um, like you said, unless they were going to completely reset the story, which, why reset the story for a movie that Marvel, we just talked about? I mean, clearly they... they make audibles like we talked about Mm -hmm. just like dc does but they also have a very strict way in which they do things and i don't see the sense in pushing that movie back unless you really don't know if you want to do it anymore um i I think they pushed it back because they clearly needed a breather like there was no way with how things were going that that was a 2019 was that date or 2020 whatever that date was that yeah. they were trying to get there was no way they were going to make that date with where they were at that time maybe with travis knight like if he signs on tomorrow maybe they would be more in line to make that date but it it things were so disastrous they just couldn't they couldn't they could no longer work towards doing that because then that's where mistakes happen that's where bad things happen because you're rushing to get something on so it was smart for them to push it back my my issue is i just feel like when they with the chaos around the set, um, in terms of not the set, but just in terms of the cast and just how defiant they were about one and gun and, and yeah. how defiant they were when he was fired. That to me, when you, so when you ask, is the do we know this movie's coming out? I can't say that for sure because it would not surprise me if they, if that cast who are a very tight knit group decided this is not, this, this is not worth our while. The script is not great. They're not gonna. They don't seem like a crowd that's gonna just take a check. Yeah, they definitely seem. I think they they feel like Disney cut one of their family. Yeah, they definitely seem like I was just about to say they seem like a family, Mm -hmm. you know, of a cast. And um, um, I mean, if this movie does come out and Travis Knight is the director, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, The Bumblebee movie looks like it's going to be very interesting. Kubo and the Two Strings is a is a good movie, and he's, I mean, he's good at animation. 
though this isn't animated, so. Mm-hmm. But he's a good animator. He's worked on several successful movies, including The Box Trolls, which did well, Coraline, yeah. which did well. Um, he's produced some of those as well. I mean, he's, he's you know, familiar with this medium. And I think he's a very talented guy. I think that, um, I think this is them trying to strike gold again, similar to what they did with Gunn. You know, he's an up-and-coming guy. He's worked on some good things. Yeah. You know. If you can make a good Transformers movie in 2018, yeah, I mean, you have to be. You, you have some talent. He's working on Bumblebee. They're like, listen, we like what we're hearing about this Bumblebee movie that <laughs> yeah. he's doing. You know, so they're tr- thinking about bringing him on. I think it's it, like it's another good move by Marvel. Um, you know, but, I mean, we'll we'll see if he gets he actually gets the position. I hope the movie still comes out. <laughs> you know, I definitely yeah. don't want Guardians 3 to be canceled, regardless of whether he's a part of the project or not. Um, but I think this would be a good catch. Yeah, I feel like them hearing that uh, Bumblebee's like a solid movie is like in sports when like you hire a coach from a team that want that like was supposed to be awful. Yeah, that Mike, was like, Mike, Mike Riley getting the job in Nebraska. Yeah, it was like, oh, they won Oregon. eight. They won yeah. seven games. He won eight, How game, they... he won eight games at Oregon State. <laughs> You're like, oh, <laughs> we hire him to USC. We're gonna win a national championship. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like with that little talent. Yeah, Al Golden on 10 games at Temple, sign him up for Miami. Sometimes it doesn't work out as well, but sometimes it, it can work out great with some of these places. So, yeah, I agree with that. Fun fact about Travis Knight, I didn't know he was the son of Phil Knight. Really? Yeah. The Nike head honcho, uh, Phil Knight. That, that makes sense why he's moving so fast up the industry. You know, Bob Iger, you know, Phil Knight. He, I guess uh, Phil Knight's part of the Iger fight. Uh, it would not surprise me. Kennedy, they, they, uh, they, they golf at the same country club. That would not surprise me. Yeah, nah. Would not those, me at all. those kind of billionaires seem to run the same. I was gonna say, I was expecting to hear some kind of Illuminati, you know, <laughs> no, <laughs> New World Order kind of conspiracy theory. Um, yeah, I'll be, I would be cool with Knight. I think that, um, I, I kind of like, I kind of like the idea of someone like Knight because we saw what happens when like a movie falls apart and then you go, well, who's the biggest name guy we can get to make this ship go right? We saw that with Justice League. They went with Josh Whedon, and Whedon tried to do his best with that joint. But, like, I think they would have been better off if they maybe would have gone with someone. In-house. Or- in-house or someone who more in line with the vision that was originally put together to make that movie make more sense. Now some guy was like, all right, I'll make my Justice League movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Or even, and, you know, I think Han Solo ended up being okay. But even someone like Ron Howard, I think that maybe I would have liked to have seen what happens if they went with someone who wasn't as established, someone wasn't as ready just to take that check so to speak you know so uh i mean i'm intrigued by someone like travis i'm interested to see what uh he'll do with that with that with that role if they give it to him all right guys let's do our show recast for the week so we got uh titans to start we had two episodes of titans i think that they were uh for me i think two of the stronger episodes of the season i was a little surprised just by just reading stuff that you know the jason side episode seemed to be kind of a hit or miss for some people but uh I enjoyed both of these episodes a lot. Of course, they were um, together, episode five and Jason Todd, episode six. Um, episode five, I thought, was really strong in regards to kind of putting the family of the team together and kind of seeing them, their interactions, seeing them work together and seeing kind of the... the Episode 5 to me felt more like the Teen Titans and more like a Titans comic book than anything we've seen so far in the show. And seeing them work against the nuclear family, uh, I thought it was well done. 
And then we got to episode six with Jason Todd. Definitely took us away from the team, which was a little bit. It it it, it, do, it does feel a little bit like there was momentum lost because so much I thought was su- successfully established in episode five that you wonder if going away from um, the entire team basically for a whole episode to do more exposition on J on on Dick Grayson was worthwhile. But I think the performance of the kid who played Jason Todd was strong enough for me to overlook that. Um, I thought he was outstanding. I thought the writing of how they wrote Jason Todd was outstanding. Like, Jason Todd was an annoying little punk in the 1980s when they created this character. So, like, but, like, a 1980s annoying punk is, like, different than a 2018 annoying punk. And how do you, like, how do you create, so how do you stay consistent with that canon but also make it nuanced and relevant to now? And, like, just the way he says bro all the time, the way he wants to do fist bumps, and, like, just, like, his attitude. Like, he just sounds, he just looks like, like, the annoying punk that you would see, like, in 2018, today. Some troll that you would see on a YouTube channel or something. That's kind of the attitude he he brings to that character. And the way they modernized him, uh, but still kept that, that canon. Like, yeah, he was still stealing hubcaps from the Batmobile when Bruce found him. You know, he still was a kid that still went through the foster care system, which is still people, stuff that kids go through, you know, today. Um, and how they kind of showed uh, how Dick might not have been wrong to leave Batman. <laughs> like, how, you know, Dick has made it very clear throughout this season that Bruce is a bad influence on him, and he's why he had to leave. And this is our first, really, reflection of Bruce. And when you hear some of the stuff Jason is saying, how Bruce is kind of giving him the keys to the car, so to speak, in some ways, literally, he's giving him the keys to the Batmobile, it does speak to, okay, well, where is Bruce at in his head and how he, how is he dealing with things right now? Um, why is he tracking <laughs> Dick Grayson and Jason Todd all this time? Is he really using them only as his own little weapons, you know? It, 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 I thought it was a really well-done story. I, I enjoyed it. I know the villain was kind of lame. But uh, but I thought the story overall did well in terms of us learning more about Dick, learning, introducing us to Jason Todd, who I think will be a factor in this series, if not anymore this season, for future seasons, and kind of having us understand who this Batman is in this universe. I thought these were good episodes, honestly. I enjoyed the Jason Todd character very much. Um, I agree with you, EG. I think he was characterized spectacularly. Yeah. And I think the actor did a spectacular job as well. Um. Yeah, the villain wasn't that great, but none of the villains Melt, have Melting been. Man. Yeah, Melting Man. None of the villains have been that great so far. I've been more interested in the the characters, mm-hmm. the learning more about the Titans, because we have to learn more about the Titans. Um, so that's been my main focus in the show so far. Um, and, uh, and learning more about Dick and his past and everything in this episode as well. Um, I, I thought it was just... I think these two episodes have been great. And I definitely think they have not anything to to sour my experience of the show so far. Um, I'm liking the characters more and more. Each of them. You know, not just Dick, not just Beast Boy. All of them. <laughs> you know, I'm liking them all more and more the more I see them on screen. And I think this... Uh, I think this show is... is uh, I think this show is surprising a lot of people. 
Yeah, you know, it's surprising me then. In terms of how how it is uh, how it's showing the characters and how it's engaging. It's competent. You know, it's actually engaging. You're mm-hmm. not watching this. You're just like, oh, I gotta watch this nonsense. Yeah, Titans, dark these fake titan, Titans, dark yeah. these fake dark Titans with no light. Fan film. Yeah, you know, but but yeah, this it's good. It's good. I like I like what they're showing. The action was great. The fight scenes are great. I don't know, man. I like these fight scenes. They've been good. Jason Todd and Dick, that was it was it was some good fight scenes. I mean, Jason Todd going ham on those cops that was. Cool. was Cool is one way to put it. It was brutal, um, yeah. <laughs> but but like but I will say like that was, I thought that was extremely well done. Cause you see this kid this entire episode, and you're like man, this kid is problematic. But you don't know. Okay, well, what is the result of this problematic kid? Like he has a bad attitude. He like you know clearly doesn't have a great like outset on the world. Um, I saw some a description that I don't know if the actor said or someone else wrote about how like he's kind of like disturbingly very unaffected by the darkness that surrounds him like you know the way dick talks about how like this all this stuff is like kind of crazy and like kind of scary and like he's kind of like oh yeah no yeah i like punching people in the face we beat up the bad guys like the way he kind of just goes about it it's like kind of like something is off with this kid right and then when you see okay well what is the result of that well you see that when the cops show up and he brutalizes them basically and no, his rationale they're all bad yeah they're either bad or incompetent yeah so therefore or they have no use yeah and that that speaks to the issues that this guy has we know he becomes uh, a villain slash anti-hero in his future as the red hood and again I, again for me I thought I spoke to who Batman is at this point he replaced Bruce he replaced Dick very quickly with someone who while I we I've had my complaints about this Dick Grayson being to me Sometimes at times unrecognizable, he was a lot more recognizable when he was next to Jason Todd. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like yeah, this episode as much as it gave exposition and backstory and depth to the two Robin characters, it also gave a little bit to Batman as well. Um, These episodes, uh, I mean, a lot of just the little things. I mean, you mentioned that. I mean. They really harp in that point of, like, this kid probably wasn't ready to be Robin. Mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't have been Robin. But Batman replaced Dick Grayson very quickly. And maybe found a candidate that wasn't fit for the role. Um, the Even, like, the little thing of, like, you know, the whole the thing about how he had a tracker in him. You know, like... When we saw that, we were like, Dad, like, me and Shmar were watching the episode together, we were like, Dad, yo, this guy, this Batman is crazy, man. Got a tracker in Robin. Um, both Robins. Uh, and it wasn't even a tracker that was, like, on their suit or, like, in yeah, their it car. Yeah, it was inside. implanted in their arms. And, and the way that Jason Todd knew about it, Dick didn't seem to know about it. So, okay, Dick is very, like, scatterbrained. Could he have forgot? Possibly. But then also, could have Batman just done it and he not know about it? Yeah, and maybe I mean Batman's very, Batman's obviously very smart. You know, he does a lot of homework. Maybe he thought to himself, "I can't tell Dick. Yeah, I'm putting that on him. Yeah, Jason Todd, will do this. He fine. won't care. Yeah, right." And that goes back to Dick yeah. saying that Batman's very manipulative. Exactly. Um, and I don't know if this was foreshadowing or not, but even the way they they told that story of like. Dick saying, 
yeah, this is bad. Like, you should take yours out too. And we think about what happened to Jason Todd and how Batman couldn't uh, find where Robin mm, was. That's that's a great connection. I've not could heard that, Yeah, that's awesome. Could that come back? Mm. Maybe if he one day does become Red Hood and says, oh, you were the one that told me to take my plan out mm. and Batman couldn't find me because I didn't have my thing. I don't know. And that story, and if you remember that story of death in the family, it's him going after uh, a lead to find his mother, who he now realizes is alive. Right. And Batman is unable to find him. Yeah. Because um, he goes out on his own. And, of course, there's a trap laid out by the Joker who that ends up in his death. So, I mean, that whole tracker thing could very easily lay into doing death in the family and that working into his origin right. as a Red Hood. And his death, for sure. That's a great connection. I didn't think about that. Do we think that he's going to become the Red Hood on this show? That's... And how long down the road will so that be? So this kid is young. He's like, young? He looks like... When you watch the show, I'm like, man, this kid is... like, Yeah. I, he can't be the Red Hood next season. No. I, see, I think he could be. No. I think you can have to have a younger Red Hood, honestly. No, I don't think that works. Yeah, I don't really. I mean, that's what it would have to be. Yeah, I don't think that works. I think that that's too. I think it would have to be a couple years removed for me. Yeah, Uh, I agree. I would like to see how old the actor is. I don't. Current Walters. Yeah. Shout out to shout out to Walters again. I want to say because I thought he was uh, phenomenal, but I don't know. I think that that's. I mean, Shamar, you you're you're not buying that he could be Red Hood soon, right? No, not at all. You don't think by next season? No, definitely not by next season. Definitely not. At least a couple of seasons. At least. Yeah, he's twenty. By, he's twenty years old right now. By then, he will. He's he, an adult. Yeah, I mean, by by he then, lo- he looks so young. He looks super young. And in I the think, show, I believe they say he's nineteen. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think by then, um, you know, there'll be some distance. You know, maybe you kill him off next season. Then give an extra season, and then he comes back. Season four or five sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. See, nowadays, I mean, I, nowadays a lot of these shows get four or five seasons. I just, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm from a time when I don't get, remember. I don't know, you know. Yeah, we'll just get up. Yeah, we'll just get that far. Do you yeah, know? I mean, but how, how, I mean, my is Berlanti that confident that, like, all right, I can table Jason Todd for four seasons and then get to him? I mean, my thing is, how are you going to bring him back next season? Wait, are you going to kill him off at the end of this season and then bring him back next season? Like, how are you going to do that? Well, I mean, it could be one of those things where you kill him off beginning of next season or something like that. You know, kill him off next season and then he comes back end of the season or something like that. I mean, isn't there a lapse, EJ? Isn't there a lapse? Yeah, where he's not For there. when he's not just not around and Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's dead for decades. Yeah, I was going to say, like, he doesn't just, like, show up. He doesn't, you don't just kill him and then he just shows up again and then yeah. just Red I mean, Hood is he, here. He died, like, a young adult, which I guess you would say yeah. is what he is now. And then he, he shows up later. Shows up later. as an adult. Yeah, he shows right. up as an adult. You know, so you can't just kill him and then just have him come back. I mean, you can do that, but I feel like that that would be good. Yeah. Okay, you got you gotta have at least a little time. You know. Yeah, I I would I would hope that there was a little more time in between, but I mean he I mean he was captivating. I mean I I would love to see this kid in the, in that role as a villain. Um, this I I like this Dick Grayson too. This guy is good as Rob. I thought that was I thought that was yeah. Grayson's. I thought that was arguably. I think the last two episodes were his best episodes to me. I love yeah. both of them. I wouldn't just say just a Jay Todd episode. He was a lot more... He was boring, I think, the first couple of episodes, which maybe that was what they wanted him to be, but, um, yeah, like you said, I thought his portrayal 
was very strong. I think strong. He's, he was playing off of more vibrant characters. Like, his interactions with Beast Boy, I thought were hilarious. Beast Boy, like, can I be Mad Boy? I can be Batman because I really want to be Batman. He's like, no. Okay. <laughs> and which was great because, like, I think you have that- two of these suits? <laughs> he's like, please tell me that one of you guys can let me meet, and then he just cut him off again. Yeah. Like, what, like, what was great about those scenes, too, was one that was, like, I think that that also kind of, like, the fourth wall breaking there, where, like, Beast Boy's us, saying that we want to meet Batman. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> in the crowd, and, like, the show is telling us, no, you're yeah. never going to see Are Batman. Are we going to meet Batman? No, no. Yeah. That was, I thought that was almost certainly them breaking the fourth wall, talking to the fans. But then also, uh, I think why he's been so strong is because we've seen him play off of other characters in a way. He's been getting better. I think it's because he's been playing off of these characters. Four, he's playing off of Raven, who is Raven. Yeah, boy. You know, he's, she's, she doesn't yeah, say much. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She doesn't say much. She doesn't do much. Like I, I think she's been great in the role, but like Raven is a certain way. So it doesn't require much for Grayson to do. The whole you know, Hawk and Dove thing was so much like, like innuendo that like it really didn't require much of him to really really act against anything, but like when you put him next to Gar, you put him next to Corey, it's totally different. You put him in front of a character like Dick, like Jason Todd, he, he's a force to then show you who he is, and we're starting to see more of that Dick Grayson that I love. He's one of my favorite. Again, I've said over and over, he's one of my favorite heroes in all superhero universes, whether it be DC or Marvel. So I agree. I think that uh, Brenton's been great in these last few episodes. We're running out of time, though. I think this is a 10-episode season, right? Yes. So it ends in uh, late December. So we're coming up to episode 7, which means we only have four episodes left. 7, 8, 9, 10. Are we worried about this not really... I don't think this this thing's going to get resolved. I think, which is going to be kind of annoying. We'll see Trigon. We won't fight Trigon. Yeah, there will be, I agree. There will be no fighting with Trigon. I think whoever the organization is involved, I think they'll at least push them back. Like, it, it, they they won't be an immediate threat by the time the season's ended. But I don't think that this whole thing gets resolved. I don't know if we Corey knows who she is by the end. I, I really, I'm really worried about a lot of this stuff. Cause I they, think she will. They've taken a lot of time to, like, get us away from the story to then bring us back because i mean look they've referenced i mean they've now they have there's a donna troy episode happening too is that going to take us away from the story again yeah they referenced they didn't reference by name but they referenced trigon being raven's father yeah um so they're getting to that story uh and i mean i I don't i mean i believe the the rumors way back when was that we were they had already casted somebody as trigon but, like, he wasn't supposed to, like, he was, like, a series regular, not a series regular, but he's, like, he wasn't supposed to show up until later in the season, obviously. So, um, no, yeah, I, I feel like whenever we see him, it'll tie into next season. Um, we're also supposed to get Cyborg next season as well. Well, I don't know if that's the thing. Well, the idea is that we may get Cyborg next season after he shows them do Patrol, but... Um. Yeah, nah. The long-term future of this show, though, is I think it's bright. Yeah, I think it's bright. I know I. I'm almost certain this issue is not going to be resolved this season. I kind of don't want it to be resolved this season. Yeah. The way they've been slowly building it, I feel like it would it would be rushed if they were resolved it in three episodes. I do think we'll get Nightwing in this season. I agree. By the end, I think that's the only thing oh, that's really? going lightning fast. That yeah. would surprise me. 
I, would I mean, love that. Robin. They asked her, "Is Robin any of the Robins coming back?" When he talks to Corey, he says none. So well, Jason I Todd is not that. returning. I definitely hope you're right. And I, he's I saying he's that Robin, he's Robin. So who's coming back? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely hope you're right because I. The only reason I doubt I would say no is just because this is Titans and it feels weird having Titans with no Robin. I well, think you can have Titans that they with Nightwing. And I think Jason is not Teen Titan. I think Jason talking to Dick so often about how much better his suit is than his. I think there's going to be some. I think there's a chance that Bruce gives him a Nightwing suit. That mm. there's some meeting of the minds. But you got to be on your own. That says, I don't even know if it's that, but I think there's an idea that like clearly you moved on. You moved on. You have a family. The least I can do is do this for you, and like, and gives him a new suit, and then it's Nightwing. That'll be a fire ending. I think I think that's what's gonna happen. Like I would be, I'm not gonna say I'd be surprised if it didn't happen that way. I I would be surprised if he's not Nightwing. That would shock me. Really? But okay. I think that how he will get there. I think that I think him and Bruce will end on better terms by the time this season is over, and it will end with him giving him the Nightwing suit. Hmm. I think that would be good because you know because like I said, there's obvious you know you know things about because you know you know there's Dick and Bruce have their their issues at times, but like for a long time now they've been great, you know they've been had a very close relationship and the Nightwing Bruce Batman relationship is close is very important to Batman. I don't think that we'll have this like contentious I hate Batman thing for very long. I think by next season we may be off of that whole thing being a storyline. It'll be more about just the team. I agree. Um, let's move on to Supergirl, guys. Uh, Supergirl, we, they've had several episodes over the last uh, few weeks. We just watched one from tonight in which the uh, the Children of Liberty are taking after Agent Liberty in their anti-alien sentiment on Thanksgiving of all holidays. Uh I think Supergirl, Supergirl has been strong. Um, they definitely have found a way to really both of these shows, them and the gifted, who we'll talk about in a second. I mean, they really have found a way to look at the impact of some of the things we see happening on in our general politics and our general American society, and bringing that to the front forefront with their shows and how they've been able to relate aliens or mutants to the immigrants and some of the demonization against immigrants and people of that ilk. Supergirl continues to do a great job of that. Um, I thought this last episode was okay, but I thought the two episodes before that I think were great. In fact, I think the origin story of Agent Liberty, for me, is a Jenny nominee watch type of episode. Uh, I thought it was spectacular. I thought it was one of the best origin episodes for a villain we've seen since we've been doing this podcast so you, how they like how they broke down how this person could become who we see today in the span of a year or a couple of years i, thought I have one problem with that episode okay um because another similar episode that we saw was the devoe episode last year in flash which i thought also was very good yeah um but i feel like i got the sense that this agent liberty episode took place like not I, I didn't get the sense it took place over years. It felt like it took place over like a span of like maybe a month. Or like like they were showing like like how like the whole incident with like his house and then he goes to James Olsen 
who's like working for Lena Luthor at that point, and it's like, well, I thought they did all this stuff happen this season. Well, no, because remember, like, off camera. Well, they what well, remember no, yeah, like they went way back. They went way back because they kept referencing things that happened in Supergirl to talk about. They it. had so, like, the one, yeah, they had the one with um with Monel's mom. Yes, yeah, her. And then they had uh the incident last year. Like and like every time they kept saying like you know it started with like eighteen months ago yeah. and it went to like twelve months ago and then it right. went to like it two months four ago. months ago and then two yeah. months ago like the way they kind of yep. broke it down slowly. I just wish he had been Agent Liberty longer. I guess that was my thing. He had, like he like I he literally had just become Agent Liberty and now we started like the Thinker had right. been the Thinker for a while when we in the Flash. I thought that was a little better. But I think it's supposed to. I think it's supposed to mirror kind of what we have seen in our society. Yeah, these guys can come out like, nowhere. like you know, it takes the, that like it, like it's the trigger that immediately make take something to make so many people go into action, and the triggers were the issues with you know his father's plant, and like again, like how like a lot of that stuff connects to today, and like how these you know about people steel. in these steel industries who do who went towards the politics of someone like Donald Trump. Because of the idea of him saying, I'm going to make America great again, and I'm going to make sure your steel factories are the factories that are, your jobs. Are, are keeping your jobs, and you won't be, you know, be, like, you know, outworked. Immigrants won't take And jobs, they won't, yeah. immigrants won't be one taking your jobs, or we won't be, all, you know, uh, offshoring our jobs to, you know, other countries. And, like, you know, even just taking the sentiments of his father, whose father was, like, a very obvious bigot, and, like, how, like, while he didn't seem to be like that, like, having that kind of person be such an influence on your life and how that affects you and, like, that kind of shaping who he becomes. Uh, it just, everything they kind of touched on in that episode, all our factors that we see get talked about in our daily lives, you know, the impact of, you know, the safe spaces on college campuses, the fact that he was a college professor who, you know, was provocative um, uh, in the beginning and then yeah, became man. more and more aggressive with, like, the, you know, the uh, pretty much alt right type of the rhetoric, rhetoric, yeah. and how that got him fired. Just but, imagine, man, if that was one of my professors. Oh man! But that's stuff that we. But that's like stuff that we hear about a lot, and like you know, what's what can be said, what should be said on college campuses. Do these people have a right to be on college campuses? You know, campuses have been barring these kind of people, the Ann Coulter's, the Milos, you know, people. Yeah, they've been just banning them. Not even letting them come on this thing. And that's become a, a thing of First Amendment rights and things like that. Yeah. Like, they related so much of these actual talking points in regards to these conversations and put it into this one villain. I, I heard some people say that he's lacked nuance. I would argue some of these people don't lack, don't don't have much nuance, uh, honestly, when you're this overt. I mean, he's, like, almost along the lines of, like, a Richard Spencer, you know, uh, almost like a white nationalist. Like, you know, now if you're talking about just a regular right winger, I would say yes, he doesn't have as much nuance. But I think he, he's supposed to go way beyond that. He's a terrorist. So I don't think that nuance really was needed for him. But to see, okay, how does a, a semi known person become so over the top? I think that they did a decent job of laying that out. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was a very good episode. Um, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say Jenny, but I did think it was a very good episode. You know, I thought they did a good job of, you know, characterizing uh, his ca- him. Also, shout out to Sam Witwer. Sam Witwer. Shout out to Sam Witwer, <laughs> Darth Maul, Emperor Palpatine, Palpatine. himself. 
Um, but yeah, Star Killer, Star Killer, <laughs> <laughs> the Star Wars references go on and on. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, Mr. Star Wars himself. But yeah, yeah, I thought he did a great job acting this role, um, and he continues to do a good job. And I thought that I thought that episode was really good. Like, and you're right, EJ. Like, it shows how these people become like radicalized, mm-hmm. and how they go from being like normal, or being you know at least somewhat normal, to just you know being you know dangerous. And I do think it was somewhat of a criticism of the other side, and like how. Like, yes, like, I thought Jimmy, probably of all the characters he interacts, like, was most willing to, like, listen, hear his side or at least kind of, like, say, okay, we understand and here's what we're doing to kind of, like, get your side out there. But, like, all the other interactions he has with the protagonists here are all so negative. Um, you know, the person fires him without really him having much of a chance to explain himself, though, that she does yeah. admit that, like... You've had plenty of other warnings, and this is there are no more warnings. You're fired. That was the other thing I wasn't a huge fan of. What was that? They, like, they said he, you know, he had prior warnings, but we only saw one blow up. I was like, well, I, I where's the repeated history of? Well, I think well, that's antics. where the time jumps come in. Because I think I think you're supposed to assume well, that, that wasn't his first blow up. Because remember, he has a couple of like his his like I thought the first the yeah, first they show one a few of his lectures. yeah they show a few of his like the first one was like okay that's provocative but not like offensive in any way the second one was like okay ooh going a little going a little right then like the last one was just like you know, right. it was just crazy you know but like each time months go by right. so you're supposed to assume within those times that like his yeah. his lectures are getting more and more radical so when I I took that as saying okay well this we is see, the first complaint. this is this is like the, he was just crazy in this last one so who's to say that he hasn't been we see him getting progressively, progressively worse we, he didn't teach three classes in this right, 18 right. months he's mm-hmm. taught dozens maybe even hundreds and it's good that they show that his plight is isn't complete nonsense because that's it's it's the truth in a lot of the cases yeah like his like his family yeah, was like, actually affected yeah. by this and thing. like his, his home was destroyed in and Marshall Man yo, was like, "You're safe now." Yeah, I was like, "Yo, yo come <laughs> on, that was, that was good. I thought, oh, actually, that was man. well done. <laughs> that was I like that. But it looks like stuff like that happened where these people are they, their lives are really affected. <laughs> like they making John Jones a bumbling superhero. <laughs> like they, their lives are really affected, and they feel like no one listens to them right. when they complain about it. Right. Exactly. You know, they tell you, "Oh, shut up, don't say that." Yeah. You know, etc. And they don't listen. They're not listening to. And you. I, that's I, why they get so angry. And I really thought that that was if they're and if people say this episode lacked nuance. I think that that's nuance. Yeah. Because I think you're supposed to see Lena kind of be like, "Sorry, guy, your mail sucks. I'm going to someone else," and like kind of like not really care about like the fact that like his family. And I know like you know we've. And, like, you know, they there have been the same things that we've said in our side. Like, oh, well, like, you know, you can go to more environmental-friendly aspects. And, like, yes, they should in many of those aspects. But you got to understand, like, when you've been doing something for one way so long time, and then all of a sudden, like, you see your life get upended, there's going to be a pushback. And I thought that – I just thought that episode to me was a standout. Um, but what do we think about these last two other episodes? Uh, we got introduced to Manchester Black, who uh, – is is a a villain anti-hero that we've that that is known as superman lore i kind of didn't remember we were going to get this much of him yeah, he's heard like he was supposed yeah, to be well, in it but he's, like, he's becoming like a regular now yeah, I, regular. I forgot i kind of maybe he he i'm sure it was announced but i don't remember but uh i've enjoyed him so far um and then tying him into the character that john was friends with i thought that was kind of smart and then uh 
And the, we see kind of the destruction of the Lena James ordeal. Yeah, which that was kind of abrupt. I hope there's more there's more detail or that that gets fleshed out a little bit more. And that this this isn't the end. It can't be. But I I as a as someone who works in journalism, I do really enjoy Jimmy's feelings about what he's doing. Like I just think mm-hmm. that he's like to me he's like the conscience of this whole thing that they're telling all oh, this whole story that they're telling mm. um him kind of feeling like yes i disagree with them and yes they're using my not overtly saying your garbage type of reaction to like power themselves and my my plight to like stop all bad people whether they be alien or human to to you know power themselves but like i'm hoping that through my voice and through my actions i can like teach them the right way and again, I just think that they're kind of. They, I feel like Supergirl. This is a, not an easy thing to kind of handle. I think that they're kind of trying. They're, they're hitting all the pieces. I think you're supposed to hit with this thing, without making the villain seem like very sympathetic. Because that's yeah. another thing too. Because you have someone doing killing people and doing very bad things. Like you don't want to make them too sympathetic. But like, and I think this last episode is supposed to kind of take you away from that when you see him getting national TV spotlight. Now he's getting a TV show. It's like it's hard to feel. Now you don't feel something for him because now he's becoming a star off of this hatred. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I th- I just think they're they're balancing this really well with him, and they're telling the story really well. And it seems like something I could see happening. It seems like so- it feels like something that I've seen happen, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is the point. So I I really really think they're doing a, a really good job with this. Um, you know, you're right. They're making him sympathetic, but are also like, listen, he is a terrorist. You see him take the mask off. You see him put the parasite in the guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, like so. You see those things, and you're like, this is obviously an evil person. But you know, you also see why people are compelled to listen to him. Yeah. Which is strange because, like we mentioned last time we talked about Supergirl, like Agent Liberty is traditionally a superhero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just completely have gone with a. Different I was wondering. I was like, uh, is there gonna be a twist? Is he gonna? <laughs> Make a turn, but there it's too late, man. No, There's no redeeming this character. He's just like he's just a terrorist. Yeah. Um. So they've made that turn. He's another Fort Ross. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I mean this this season uh has been strong. I'd, I'd say so far. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about this whole current old character. What they're trying to do. Uh, well, General Haley's like a or, superhero. Or he's like a Superman. Colonel. He's like a Colonel. They're all Colonel. Um, Sarge. Yeah, oh, yeah, Sergeant. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is just an Easter egg that I, I'm not that I'm not getting. But uh, her inclusion seems odd, to say the least. Um, Manchester Black, I think, has been solid so far. Uh, I like what John Jones has been doing so far with Manchester Black. Uh, Nia Null character has been been pretty decent. Um, still waiting to see what her punchline, you know, what her character is gonna be. It's clearly something with the whole sleep thing. Yeah, it's you know, something. You know, what are, you they, a- are you an alien? You know, are I'm guessing she's gonna have superpowers. We know she's transgender. I I I I don't know what the deal with the sleep thing. I I thought that. Her not wanting to see a doctor. I, I think they're. I think they're playing you guys. I think that it's way more simple than that. I think it's honestly, she's new in town, and when you have someone who is transgender, 
you know, not being accepted by doctors and things like that are real issues. I'm wondering that it could be something that simple. That, like, right, this right. is not being treated because now she just her, doesn't feel comfortable going to a doctor. Once you go to a doctor, you kind of tell them all, everything about yourself. Right, and, right. Um, and these are the kind of plights that people go through, you know. I think yeah, I think true. that this actually is what's happening. But I think they're they're rightfully like playing the idea that oh maybe she's a hero or there's something else going on. And it's like no, I think that like she just these are the issues that like people who aren't super had to go through, and that aren't aliens, you know. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I. I I, I yeah yeah that's 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 something that I considered. Mm-hmm. Um. She's supposed to be. I think they, they they I think they plan on doing something with their character. But oh, they'll do something. I just don't think that like I think some of the stuff they're doing, the early stuff that we're seeing, I think it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. It might be a mixture of both. Yeah. It might not be a mixture of both. Um I don't think anything else we know anything else from this last episode that was They're still dragging along this uh whole Russian super world thing too, yeah. by the way. I don't know if Agent uh Liberty's gonna be the villain for the whole time. Oh no way! Which is why they're dragging that along. I think this is like an arc thing. I think I don't know if I say an arc, but I think this could be a half. I think this could be a half and half season. Like uh, uh, what's the name? From Arrow. Yeah, like with Dragon and (laughs) KGs. I do enjoy. But where did she even come into play compared to Agent? Like that's why I say it feels like an arc thing because like. There is no connection between Agent Liberty and. I mean, Russia. we say that, but like Agents of Shield, I know they went through arcs. But like, if they decide to just extend an arc longer than what we've seen in Agents of Shield, you can do that kind of thing where you go from one villain to another villain. Agents of Shield's done that seamlessly. Well, that's what I'm saying. But like Agents of Shield, like like it's typically divided like two completely like almost like yeah, different seasons, like three or four, like an A like season and a B least. season. Well, well, I think or that's like what we're getting. getting. That's what I'm saying. I think we're getting an A and B season. I think, but that- like even like Caden James, like like Ricardo Diaz was very much tied into the Caden James storyline. Like he, like yeah, he but on. like Ghost Rider wasn't like tied into like some of the like the framework and like some of the stuff that like. Well, yeah, that's my point. I think this would be more Agents of Shield than like other times where we've seen like other shows that have not done arcs, but have had like multiple villains. I think we're saying the same thing. I just think that, like, I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying that I don't think it's going to be, an arc suggests that this is going to end very soon. I don't think that's happening. I just don't, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think this will be the first half of the season. I just think the second half of the season will be something totally different, which is what you're saying. I'm just. Yeah, what I mean by arc, arc is suggests that. that, like, there's multiple, there will be multiple stories other than two, and I don't think that's happening. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, what I'm saying is, like, by arc is, like, like. Whatever happens in this this whole Agent Liberty arc will have nothing to do with the the Russian Supergirl arc. Probably not. Like I mean, they'll tie it in some way, but it's not going to be something that's very like direct. Yeah, you know I, that would surprise me. Uh, let's get to the last uh, show for the week, guys, and let's talk about The Gifted, which um is a show we haven't talked about in a little while. Oh, and by the way, they casted Lex Luthor, which we didn't talk about, but. Who did they cast? I didn't even see that. Yeah, I don't know. So it's fairly like an actor. You, you bring it up and you're like, I don't know. Like, well, yeah, like <laughs> it would be nice if you bring somebody that we know or that is from like a show that we. Oh, know. John Crayer from uh, Two and a Half Men. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's so, interesting. You know where he fits in the whole where the, he I he'll probably I think play a huge role in that whole Russian Superman thing or Supergirl thing. 
Definitely. I think he's going to play a role in whatever Lena's trying to do, too. Right. Lena's been trying to do the the test on curing cancer using the alien tech. Yeah. I, I fully expect that to be something that he involves himself in as well. Maybe he steals the idea, perfects it, takes credit. It's just wild. I feel really like there's some time. angle where Luca or like becomes president. So I, 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 I'm almost convinced that's still going to happen. So anything I see that Lena's doing that's like in the positive direction, I've seen how Lex turns that into something of his own game. Uh, but let's talk about the uh, the gifted, um, the gifted and Supergirl. In many ways have mirrored each other, as I said before. Yes. Uh, I think some of the. I mean, this week the gifted the Supergirl walked more in line with the gift in terms of how like violent these people of these followers can be. But man, the purifiers are scary scary and the way they've kind of created them is scary i mean these guys are flat out like the clan yeah they are they are the clan that we have today in america and they're like underground meetings they got the cross the cross stuff that's the signal the the symbolism you know Um, they got got the tattoo he's like he's like hey man he got it may need you to join. He shows a tattoo, and it's just like, oh, I don't want to be a part of the you know, hate group. And I love you how know, uncomfortable, you know, Jason Pitts, a.k.a. Turner, is with this whole thing. Too. Yeah, Turner is, like, an interesting character, because I feel like Turner, I feel like we're seeing, Turner, I I don't know if we're seeing the, the beginnings of someone who, like, is then redeemed, or if we're seeing the beginnings of a supervillain. I'm guessing. I think it could be, be either or. I'm guessing he's going to be redeemed. That's my guess. He could, like I said, it's. It's in that weird medium he's, where he's being estranged from his wife, so the family thing is kind of not a factor anymore. Which is why I think we're seeing him kind of dip more and more yeah, into yeah. despair, into darkness with the people he's kind of dealing with. I think he'll eventually be redeemed, but but, but does, he, does he? But does he become a? Does he become that super villain? But after before he gets redeemed, yeah, because yeah, that could happen too. I think I could see that. Yeah, happen. it could be. He's, both. he's already kind of a villain. Yeah. I, I'd say he already is a villain. Awesome. And yeah. that's With the question. What's his role in this? Because, I mean, he's a series regular, but why? He's not a mutant. Not a part of Sentinel Services. So what's the end goal for this guy? Where, where is the plan for him? What's the plan? <laughs> right. Is, he, is it for right. him to, that's like, what, to say. what role is he going to play in the in the grand scheme of the show? Which he will play some role. Yeah. Will it be, like you said, as the head of the purifiers hunting down the mutants? <laughs> Will it be which, as which some could guy? be a, a very prominent role? That yeah, could be exactly. it. You know? Will he join the mute underground in some capacity or facilitate them in some way as a hero? Is he gonna work with Stryker or Senator Kelly? I, or, I mean, that's we, we've seen him. We we see that he already has like the the uh, the ear of like you know, a major television yeah, person. So, like, you know, does he become a media person? I was does literally he become a, a, a politician? Watching, you know? watching, uh, sorry, I was watching Supergirl and The Gifted, like, I was getting the two fake Fox News shows, like, mixed up. Where I was like, wait, 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 what happened to the Reed show? Like, watching Supergirl, like, I thought the show was called The Reed, whatever the guy's name is, show. And I was like, oh, no, this is, that was actually The Gifted. Uh, but they obviously parallel both, uh, both shows use the same gimmick of having the Fox News uh, broadcast. <laughs> yeah, they they uh, they definitely have, uh, have they definitely married each other in many ways. What do we think of this uh, of to- uh, twist? Who uh, the Rebecca? Yeah, this is dark. Oof, really dark that stuff. was 
No, that was pretty dark, man. And I think I, I tell you what, I think, I thought No Mercy was also an extremely strong episode. The last really episode, episode that we saw, really um, strong episode. I thought the heist was all executed well. Yep. Um, I thought the Riva stuff was done well. Yeah. Yeah, you're starting to learn more about Riva, her backstory, who she is, um, kind of why she is who she, why she is the way she is now. Um, and then again, yeah, the Rebecca stuff as we learn more and more about her and to see her kind of make that turn. I'm curious. I, I, I see a scenario where Rebecca is leading the inner circle. Really? Because to wait, me, wait, wait. you think Rebecca is leading the inner circle. Really? That, that sounds crazy, <laughs> but hear me out. There's... They clearly, after the end of that episode, where she slaughters all those humans inside the bank, and kind of the look on Reva's face, and just like the, just knowing that her all these plans that she had, I mean, they're not just ruined. I mean, they're like they're not turned on their side. Like they went from, in her eyes, looked at to being heroes. Now they will be public enemy number one, hunted, most wanted terrorists. In a way that she never would have anticipated. There's going to be a conflict between Riva and Rebecca. Riva is powerful, but after what we've seen from from Rebecca, I don't think she's winning a fight with Rebecca. No, I don't know about that. I mean, Riva has been canceling out everybody's powers. I don't think she's winning a fight with Rebecca. I don't know how. I don't even know where her powers are, but she's just canceling out everyone's powers. I understand that, but Riva had the look on her face of not just anger but like holy crap i can't control this that to me tells me they're setting up a showdown a showdown and i think i I, here's why here's what i see i see a scenario where rebecca's essentially taking this team hostage if she hasn't done it already i mean you could make the case she has because who's stepping to her no one else on the team can step to her except for reva and i don't think you introduce that kind of character Unless, to me, that kind of character being introduced has to show the price for and for Andy being involved with these people. So this is not someone that gets canceled out immediately. Like this, like that's not someone you bring in and say, oh, you bring them to the fold, and then like, oh, here they're gone. It's like, well, because there's then there's no real stakes, there's no real consequences for Andy being so close to them. Like the consequences has to be that he's been so close and now he can't get out. How do you make that person not get out? What if she? takes over everything Hmm. and there's that trope of whenever you see a person's backstory sometimes that means the end is much nearer than you think i kind of wonder i don't know if reva is a character we're supposed to be around for the entire season i feel like we haven't gotten enough backstory i agree i don't know if it'd be well done i'm not saying that if they cancel her the next two or three episodes i'd be happy about it i'm just saying that i've seen that happen before where you immediately learn someone's backstory a little bit, and then it was because they wanted you to know something before they got rid of them, and then they made a, a drastic turn. The end of that uh, last episode, to me, felt like a drastic shift in the story. It did feel like a shift. I didn't think that it was going to be like Rebecca was going to come into power, or, like, I don't know. I think I just interpreted it differently. I think that... Um, I think that Reva is definitely going to confront her, maybe even kick her out. I could definitely see something like that happening. 
and then Andy kind of being torn by that. And I don't know exactly what the fallout of that will be, but you're right. They definitely are going to be hunted now, regardless of what happens going forward. I really like what I'm seeing from um, really everyone in the Mutant Underground. I like how things are kind of falling apart with them. Yeah, they're not in good and, shape. Yeah, and Blink is kind of with the Morlocks. And um, Thunderbird is is kind of just falling apart. Um, I kind of don't like what he's been going through, though. Really? He's kind of been my least favorite character in all of this. I, have a, I mean, I don't know. Um... I mean, I don't. Because I don't. I kind of get. I, I I get his plight, but like, mm-hmm. I think he's. I don't know. I think he's being melodramatic. I think he's being a. Maybe that's the point. But I just feel like you're the leader, dude. Like you get it together. Like every time he's complaining about like I'm not doing X Men told me to do this. Now I'm doing a bad job. And every and that's kind of everyone's reaction. Everyone's like, "Yo, dude, get it together." Like, okay, things aren't good, but like, right. No one's thinking about like, oh, you suck as a leader. Like I think maybe if, like that was if like the word kind of started getting around that like, yo, like. Maybe we need to change leadership. Like, Thunderbirds gotten us in some bad situations. Like, but they're not. They're not going that route. So why? Like, so this just this inner struggle is what I'm supposed to care about. I don't know. It's not enough for me to really care about it. Right. I hear you. I mean, I haven't. I haven't minded his storyline. Um, I like what what's going on with Mister Strucker and how they're trying to figure out what's going on with him. Yeah. Um. I like. Uh. I like what's going on with Andy and how he's trying to like humanize Rebecca and he's it's, trying and to kind of it has backfired. Yeah, and it's backfired basically. Um and I like that Lorna warned him about that. Yeah. And that's backfired. And I like everything that's going on with Lorna in general. You know, she's still, you know, probably my favorite character in the show. Um, yeah, I think I think that I love you know. the way they use the the opportunities to kind of like display the bipolar disorder she has is so well done and nuanced. I mean, the way she flips out on one of the cuckoos mm-hmm. for Esme. going to her daughter's head, Esme, for going to her daughter's head, like, like you're watching it because, like, within the storyline, like, yeah, like, that was kind of messed up. But when you see what she's doing, like, fam, you're wilding out right yeah, now, chill. Too. But then you forget she has a. Mental disorder. Yeah, I totally forgot. You forget yeah, about it. it but that's house. the point. And that's what's so great about it is that, like, again, talking about shows doing nuance well, that's nuance. Like, within the storyline, you see violence, you see people getting killed, you see stuff. So you kind of see things, you're just kind of going through the story. But you think about, like, what's happening. You're like, okay, you went in your door's head, so you're going to choke this chick out in front of everyone in a elevator? Like, how? Okay, if you kill her, how are you getting out of there alive? Like, Nothing she was doing at that moment made any sense, but she wasn't in her right mind. Right. Yeah. Um. And we see in the next episode they're gonna give her like her uh. Like tiara type yeah, thing. That should be cool. Uh, yeah. So they're gonna kind of advance that character a little bit, but. Um. No. Yeah. I think this show is uh another show is kind of on the right track. Uh. I'm not. I haven't been totally. Engaged with the mutant underground storyline, you know. I feel like they've. I think it's been the least interesting. Yeah, it's been kind of. I agree. It's been kind of boring. Um, I think what's happening the with inner the circle inner circle is a lot and the purifiers, and the purifier, both way more interesting. Yeah, both way more interesting. Um, I feel like I honestly, I think the mutant underground things like, I think they're kind of just like 
spinning trying their yeah, spinning their wheels trying to find a story before they interact with the inner circle yeah. and or purifiers at some point. But whatever they're doing, I'm kind of like, whatever, you know. Like, Strucker's dad is kind of like, the Strucker dad's kind of, doesn't know, yeah, he's falling apart. I like, can't control my power. At some point, he's going to, or you would think so. Um, like you mentioned with Thunderbird, kind of the same, it's the same old story with him as well. But, um, but no, I think the inner circle story's moved well. I think for a character I, I really enjoyed last season, I think they've really done Marcos a disservice this season. He's been he's had no he's been no factor. Right. Nothing interesting has happened with him. He had the first interaction when he went with the inner circle because he was, was getting because yeah, he was it. drunk and he was upset. He didn't, wasn't yeah, seeing was his kid, daughter, yeah. and they've just gone away from that. Like he doesn't talk about his daughter anymore. And he's like one of the main characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I I don't know I feel like this show. I, I still don't see exactly where they're building to. Like, Supergirl makes it very obvious what they're building to. Titans is kind of making it obvious what they're building to. This show, I'm not sure what the end game is. It is a little bit of a endless cat and mouse game that's happening right now. Right. But that's kind, that kind of was always the issue with this show. That, like, where... But to me, it's kind of almost an issue with the X-Men. <laughs> it's kind of... That's kind of their yeah. thing. It's, their, it's their whole play kind is of always ending. an end... Of, a cat, an endless cat and mouse kind of game with right. like their stance amongst humans, and that was kind of the old issue we always had with this show is like how does it go beyond just like them being chased by police? I mean, I kind of like and now it's just them being chased by the KKK. I mean, honestly, I kind of like that. I don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, a lot of these shows, like you kind of know, you know, Damian Dark shows up. And you're like, okay, so when is Arrow yeah. gonna fight Damian Dark? <laughs> you know, like when, yeah. you know, I get when Supergirl gonna fight the Russian Supergirl? Yeah, you know, it's gonna like, happen. When, when is that gonna happen? Rain is it? Okay, so when is she gonna beat Rain? You know, like. And I would argue that we know they're gonna fight the Inner Circle, so that means I, I'd argue maybe they're doing a good job because like, it's almost like in wrestling when you like know like okay like there's one monster on the roster and then there's another monster on the roster and you know that eventually those monsters are gonna collide, but like you build them both in a way in which they don't really interact, so you don't really think about it. That's good yeah. storytelling. Yeah. That's so if we all sit here and we're like. We don't know when what's happening. It's like, well, eventually we know it's inner circle versus. versus That's the story. Yeah, versus but then the, pure, them. the purifiers are here too. But the purifiers kind of throw everything off. The inner circle kind of is doing their own thing. Yeah, none like, of these characters have interacted really. They're they all they had the interact. The inner circle had only one interaction. That was Andy kicking the crap out of his sister, yeah. and that was it. And and besides that, that's been it. The purifiers have been kind of getting in the way of. The inner of uh, the uh, underground. I'm sure the purifiers will make their presence felt with the inner circle and soon too. It, does, it, does it feel like now, like Lorna is now going to lead the inner circle? I think this eventually becomes Lorna leading the inner circle. Really? But I think before we get there, Rebecca takes that team hostage. And but whatever that means, if that means Reva's controlling them, but not really controlling them. That could be it too. In the preview, it seems like she's like, "I gotta get me and my daughter out of here. Like, yeah. we gotta." We gotta leave this joint. It's possible, but I th- I eventually think that that's where they're getting to, is that Lorna eventually becomes the leader of the inner circle, or the inner circle ends up kind of combining with the underground, where they end up kind of having like a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, that's where I see this going. Mm-hmm. But remember, like you know, Lorna they've kind of made the illusions to Lorna's father being a Hellfire Club member. I would not put it past. 
them that we get some kind of allusion to Magneto as well to kind of get us to whatever Lauren's, Lauren's situation is to get her out of the villainy that maybe she's involved in right now. You think we're going to see Magneto? We're going to get a cameo? I, I don't know. Fade EJ. I don't know. I'll say I don't know. I'll say I don't know. I do think that... I don't think they're going to just go away completely from, like, the idea of... Like, I don't think they're going to... Like, they've been shying away from it. I think eventually there will be a lot more of a head-on... A head-on take on her father being Magneto. What that means, I cannot tell you right now. I don't know what that I means. Think I don't know if that means he's a character in the show. I don't know if that means he does. he's in an episode. I don't know if that means he's a cameo. I don't know what that means, but I don't think that we're going to have this endless cat and mouse game where we're like, oh, we all know who her father is, but like no one really talks about it. Thing. Eventually, we're going to get to that, which is why I think she's involved with the Hellfire Club to begin with right now. I, I would be flabbergasted more than I'd be flabbergasted with anything as I've seen in Superhero television. Magneto shows up as an act as an actor in the show. That's um, why I'm not going that far. I don't know what the illusions will be, but I they mean, will directly reference it. I mean, I, I mean to be fair, we got Supergirl and we have Superman in the Supergirl show. Yeah. So at this point, anything's possible. But um, that would be amazing. But uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's like similar to how. Professor X was referenced in Legion, where I can see that it's hinted it's Easter eggs that suggest make it very obvious his connection, but they don't explicitly mention. Yeah, it. I can see something like that as well. You know, I mean, I, of course, I hope I hope they include anybody. I, I would love to see Toad Nightcrawler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, in this Storm. show. Yeah, I mean, give me anybody. You know, give me uh, Pyro. I, I really don't care, but. Um, hopefully we get Magneto. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would be thrilled if that did happen. Then let's go play some rap show, guys. It's been a pretty long show today, but we had a lot to talk about, especially with the passing of Stan Lee. Again, we dedicate this episode to him and his legacy. We thank you guys for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. Check out all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, New, New Generation Media. Follow us on Twitter, at New Generation Pod. Follow us on Instagram, at New Generation Podcast. Follow Shamari on Instagram and Snapchat at MCSham22. Follow me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart and on Instagram at ActionEJ. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, if I didn't say that already, New Generation Media. That does it for now. We'll be back next week with more Hero Talk with Shamari for Kendall. I'm EJ. Peace.